Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you find the next two hours helpful and informative. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's financial talk radio show. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we have a great show lined up. Unfortunately, this morning we won't be able to take callers. We have pre-recorded this show due to personal reasons. This morning I am joined by three of my favorite real estate professionals. Sharon McNamara, owner of Boston Connect Real Estate in Pembroke. Good morning. Good morning. Veteran of the show, of yes. course. Mm -hmm. And Sharon has brought her team, which I will do a brief introduction and perhaps you guys could do a more thorough introduction. Mary Baker and Melissa Wallace. This is uh, is this the Sharon team? Yes, this or, is okay. the Sharon team. It's Sharon McNamara and team liaisons is Got what it. we sort of go by. So. Okay, perfect. Do you guys, you two ladies, I don't think have been on McNamara on money before. No, we haven't. So we've just been on yet. Talk Real Estate with Sharon. <laughs> yep, and that's a perfect segue into don't forget to listen to Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara on Wednesday evenings at 615, mm -hmm. correct? Right after the news? Yep, absolutely. Um, and you'll be on with us this week. And I'll coming be on up. this week, that's correct. Do you ladies just want to give a quick... Uh, intro how long you've been at Boston Connect and the things that you do on the Sharon McNamara team? 
Mary, I'll, also, I'm I'll, go, I'll go first okay. for longevity. Mary's the best. Okay. So <laughs> I've, I've been with Sharon for six years with yep. Boston Connect. I started as her assistant, and then over the past few years, I've kind of a transitioned into more of a buyer consultant, buyer specialist okay. um, for the team and kind of coordinator. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have been at Boston Connect for just over a year um, with Sharon and Mary. Um, I came on as sort of just to get everything organized and be in charge <laughs> of the calendar, line. keep them in line. Yeah. I was interviewed to be their boss. been active in real estate for about four years, um, but I just got my license this year. They've, oh, congratulations. They convinced me that it's mm -hmm. the right choice. So Yeah, good. So <laughs> it seems like teams are the thing in real estate. I don't, I mean, I'm unfamiliar yeah. with that world, but it, it's just convenience reasons mm. so that you can service your clients better because you're, yeah. I mean, being a realtor, you're on 24-7 basically. So if you're working with a team, yeah. someone's always available. Is that sort of the idea yeah. that there's someone always available to show or Well, for me, like it or? was more because I opened Boston Connect Real Estate. So, I mean, I opened that over six years ago now, but now we have 51 agents. We have three offices. Yep. So there's, I like to say I'm a little bit schizophrenic, <laughs> but in a good way. So there's yeah. Sharon McNamara that owns the real estate office, but then there's also Sharon McNamara who enjoys helping people buy and sell houses I mean that's really what my love is yep. um, but you know we do a lot of volume um, a lot of referral work so uh, for instance last year we sold 52 houses as a team right. uh, that's not the office it's it would be hard to do that on your own okay so uh, that's why Mary when she initially started with me she was more my assistant helping me with my calendar helping me organize sort of keeping me in my place but then as we were getting busier and busier she transitioned into going out with buyers and helping them see houses. And it's been a nice transition too because, yeah. you know, she would originally go out, look at a house, uh, a few, <laughs> find the one, and then I would go back and look at it, mm -hmm. and then I would do all the negotiating because I was the one that was familiar with that world. Yeah. But now, fast forward, she's doing the majority of that on her own. Okay. And we felt that we needed somebody to help me because I'm a very strong listing agent. So my background with advertising and marketing when I was at Reebok, just that's sort of my love. Um, we needed somebody to help us sort of organize that. So team coordinator uh, made sense for us. So that's when we invited... Uh, Melissa to be with us and she okay. was with another firm so um, and it was a nice transition for her too because a few other people from that office actually joined us at the same time yeah but yeah. the team is good because you can get in touch with Any one, one of us, us. Yeah. yeah that's nice. anytime we had a few topics we wanted to cover um, yep. today we can go mm -hmm. as fast or as slow as possible and come up with new topics on the fly as we mm -hmm. touch on the pros and cons of selling in a hot real estate market and yep. per and pros and cons of buying in a hot real estate mm -hmm. market how to get the most bang for your buck with improvements. That's something that mm -hmm. I get asked a lot in my business. Mm -hmm. Someone's getting ready to sell. They need money for X, Y, and Z. Is this a good idea or not? Mm -hmm. um, so touching on that, how to position yourself as an attractive buyer in this hot real estate market. We can sort yep. of touch on that after we go through pros and cons. And then finally, maybe talking about the optimum time or life stage um, to right size, as you call it in your business, yep. not necessarily downsize, um, but right size. So we can yep. touch on that from a real estate point of view and also from a financial point of view. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys came very prepared with statistics and, and sheets and whatnot. So yes. thank you. But um, <laughs> so, you know, this is I, a hot real estate market. Mm -hmm. um, as I understand it, homes are moving um, very quickly, especially if listed appropriately. Yeah. Um, That's the priced appropriately. Yeah. You, know, maybe, I, I, you know, I think if we can maybe touch on 
um, the pros and cons of selling in this market, that's probably the easiest one to talk yeah. about the, pro the pros. I don't know how many cons there are for selling in this real estate market, but. There's a lot of um, different nuances, a lot of pros, but with those yep. pros can come some cons. Yeah, okay. definitely. And too, when you were talking about the real estate market being so hot, I think that, you know, people like it's hot, it's hot, it's hot, but I think sometimes sellers get a false expectation that their home is worth a whole lot yeah. more. Yeah. So I think really keeping the emotions of what they're hearing. I mean, if you see it on Google, it must be correct, right? So yeah. I see it on Zillow. Zillow's right. estimate is a big one that we get yeah. all the time um, that people are getting their property value from. And that's sort of notoriously high at times, Notoriously. Right? Yeah. I think mm -hmm. they have a disclaimer that says they're with an 82% accuracy. 82%? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't even think it's that high. Not even no, that high? No, it's not okay. that high, actually. Yeah. Okay. But it's down in the bottom. You can see that. But the inventory, you know, everyone's like, inventory is low, inventory is low. So we have this really nice new report. I have to yep. put my glasses on these I days. I saw so. that. Yep. So if you even just look from last year, 2016, this time we had 103 houses on the market. And right now we have 80 this is just so this Marshfield. Is in Marshfield alone. There's currently 85 homes on the market as of when you printed this today. Oh, this today. Morning. Okay. Yeah. And compared to a year ago, there was 103. So yep. fewer. Yeah. 20% fewer. Yep. Okay. And, yep. and then if you look at Plymouth County, though, there's 228,000, you know, 228 home, less homes. But it's also, if you scroll down too, you can see how many are pending, which is houses are going on the market. So right now, like listings year to date, you how many have been taken? If you go down a little bit further and you think listed year to date, listed units. So in 2016, 314 people came on the market. This year, only 281 came on the market. So it's down 33%. But houses that went pending, you can see 211. We're still down 38%. Yeah. When people are saying, you know, the market is hot, the market is hot, it's more based on the fact that we have less houses for people to buy. Less, so in, less inventory. Less inventory. And what you were saying, I maybe, I don't know if it was last time I was on your show or last time you were mm -hmm. on my show, is that there's sort of this, there are homes on the market on the high end and then there are homes on the low end and you were saying that there doesn't seem to be like a lot in the mid range. Is exactly. that still the case? Yep. Like your your mm -hmm. example is, you know, the four bedroom colonial, like the family, yep. um, your stereotypical family home. Is that still the case mm -hmm. that there's just not a lot in that mid range? Mm -hmm. But there might be, you know, there's like a $6 million property on the water in Marshfield and there's yeah. something on that end and then things on the lower end. Exactly. Is so well, there's no place for anybody to go. So if you think about that, you know, we have the people at the top that want to sell and the people on the bottom that want to sell, but the people in the middle aren't selling anymore. Yeah. So back before, you know, everyone was into the McMansions, 2004, yeah. 2005, when everybody just wanted to sell and they were buying bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah. That's when we had new construction as well. Um, a lot of new construction. I mean, new construction is definitely coming back. We have a 34-lot subdivision coming up soon. It's up there right now. But the builders took the biggest hit, so there was no place for people to sort of move. Everyone yeah. was sort of, in, we're all sort of in the same area. But if the person who's selling, let's just say the one-level ranch, like your first home, yep. right? So other than your condo, right? Yep. You had that, for, that ranch. You want to move up to that other home, but they can't, they're not selling. They don't, because they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have anywhere to go. Well, something that you and I have talked about before is that, um, you know, I work with a lot of pre-retirees and retirees, just mm -hmm. by nature of the fact that people who are serious about their money, just a lot of them happen to fall in, into that um, stage of life. Yeah. When you're in that stage of life where your kids are out of the house um, or they're in college or they're out of the house and, and, and independent on their own, mm -hmm. you're at a point in your life where you're, you're ready to downsize probably, yep. but you don't want to downsize to a home that needs work. You want to downsize to like a brand new or newly renovated yep. smaller home. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need a second floor. You don't need a huge yard. 
there's maybe you don't want a condo because you don't want somebody right next to you. You, mm -hmm. you maybe you're you're not ready for that stage. There's just not a lot of places in this area of the world for those people to go because if you think about 1,200 square foot ranch in Norwell that we sold, yeah, a retiree was probably not going to buy that because it wasn't perfectly updated and mm -hmm. we didn't have the money to perfectly update it being yep. 30 years old. So mm -hmm. there's a, just like a disconnect in the, in the real estate cycle, mm -hmm. if you will. And it's difficult for builders to build that yeah. because land is so expensive. Yeah. So it is not cost effective for them. I mean, the return on investment for them is, it, it isn't there. Yeah. So for them to just build, you know, single family ranches on an acre lot, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. They just will never get there. I actually, um, my girls go to steeple school on Highland Street in Marshfield. Mm -hmm. And just in the last year or so, there, there are probably three or four homes that I could see of new construction on that street. Mm -hmm. And I think either all of them or three out of the four of them were one level yep. ranches. They looked like big one-story homes, yep. but it was sort of nice to see because you don't really see that anymore. Mm -hmm. It seems like all the new construction homes in this area um, of the world, other than condos or townhouses, are your larger, you know, four-bedroom colonials. Mm -hmm. So it was, I was sort of happy for my pre-retiree and retiree clients to see that, because mm -hmm. um, you just don't see that that much where we are, you mm -hmm. know, other than, you know. And we are seeing a need for that more and more. That's why the new yeah. development we have, we have 34 houses. They're going to be in Pembroke, and they're smaller lots. It's a 40B development, so there will be nine homes that are affordable. Yep. There are still some available, so people should really get in touch with us if they are looking for that. Okay. And, and sorry, where is that? It's in Pembroke. Oh, okay. Um, right off of Birch Street in Pembroke. It's called Copperwood Estates. Okay. And all new construction, but our homes will have for the opportunity to have first floor masters. Yes. How many models do we have that? We have seven different style homes and two of them are actually ranches. So um, a lot of, we had a meeting with someone who is interested in a ranch because they want one level living. Yeah. You know, they were an older couple um, and that just seems to be the where people are going. The boomers. Yeah. The, boomers. the boomers. Yeah. They want one level living. And guess what? There's a lot of boomers. You know, we do have the option of a first floor master. So yep. any yeah. guests that they may have, they can be upstairs in, mm -hmm. in, in a separate living. And I really quarters. liked the layout. I really love the layout of that, the Claritin. Yeah, that we I have love that. Because there's two large rooms upstairs with a uh, bathroom in the middle and then sort of a little sitting area. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then you have your first floor. It's open vaulted ceilings. And you have that first floor master with that's your own nice. private bath. Mm -hmm. So if you were visiting, let's just say mom and dad, and you were upstairs with the kids. Yeah, you have like your own mess. You have your exactly. own suite upstairs for your family. Exactly. Yeah. Or you could send the kids up to go to sleep and you're still entertaining with your, you know what I mean, with your parents yeah. down on the first floor. So I really, really like that layout a lot. Yeah. It's probably a space that um, you won't, personally probably won't use a lot, but if you have guests that visit, yeah. it's gonna, it will absolutely be perfect. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Yeah. So I was just looking at these statistics because yeah. I know I'm a numbers person. Mm -hmm. And I was looking in Marshfield, and the average list price in Marshfield mm -hmm. in 2016 was $679,000. Yeah. And in 2017, average list price, 781000 almost 782000 This Okay, but this is list price, not sold price. Exactly. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that is up by 15%. Where's the sold, sold year-to-date average sale price in 2016, 436, 
Isn't that interesting? The average list price is six seventy nine. Yeah. The average sale price was four thirty six. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Sorry, I'm super <laughs> excited about numbers. That doesn't mean that that six hundred and eighty thousand dollar home sold for four thirty six. It just means that more of yeah. the lower priced homes sold, sold. than the higher, higher priced homes, right? Yep. And look in between and here too, <laughs> listed and price change, right? So the listing, the average price, that price is, that number's even down too. The average original list price. Was 545. Yeah, and okay. went pending, like the ones that went pending, that's the line where you should be looking. Average list price of houses that went pending in 2016 was $464,000. This year it's 505. Right. Yes, we do in Marshfield, you do have areas and pockets that are higher yeah. end, but those are yep. not necessarily the ones that are selling. Not necessarily selling that those are unique buyers. Yeah. But it's, I just find it interesting, you were talking about people getting, you didn't use the word, but I'm going to use the word cocky. The sellers are yeah. getting a little bit cocky <laughs> in, a hot, in a hot real estate yeah. market. You can say that. Because yeah, if absolutely. you look, you didn't say it, I yeah. said it. Yeah. But <laughs> if, you, if you look at sold homes from 16 to 17, this again, this is Marshfield only, mm -hmm. the increase was 11%. In, mm -hmm. in terms of the average price of a home that's sold in Marshfield. Yep, so yep. that went up by 11%. The average price of a home that went pending from 16 to 17 was up almost 9%. But the average listing price is up 15%. Yep. People yep. are getting cocky. Getting they cocky. think it's worth yeah. more than it really is. And that's, those yeah. were your words. Yeah, yeah that was, I mean, <laughs> well, right. what they're well, doing so is statistics maybe, prove it, too. Yeah. The statistics, that proves it right there. Yeah. And that's Marshfield only. I, I wonder if it's the same Plymouth, um, Plymouth County. Not quite the same. So Marshfield people are getting cocky. And I'm sure other <laughs> towns as well. And I'm sure other towns as well. But you have we to think about coastal community. Yeah, but you have to think about how big yeah. Plymouth County is. I mean, we yep. also have communities like Brockton that fall into Plymouth County. So sure. that's definitely going to bring the sure. numbers down. Sure. Uh, but so I mean, along those lines. So so maybe you want to touch on. Uh, how to price your home in a hot real estate market if we're talking about I mean I'm sure one of the so one of the pros mm -hmm. for a seller of selling your home in a in a real estate market that has little inventory this hot real estate market mm -hmm. is that you can create a bidding war and and likely sell for mm -hmm. more than you listed for I mean I, I don't want to yeah. take words out of your mouth but that's yeah I assume that's fairly accurate yeah and that's generally what will happen I mean when we were talking about the whole um, being cocky, I don't really want to call it cocky. You just, um, you what's a better <laughs> word for that? That's you not have this, so yeah, you optimistic. Have, yeah. Optimistic, thank you. That's yeah. a lovely that's way a, to put it. Thank you. That was optimistic. really good. Thank yeah. you very yeah. much. But it's almost like a false optimism because yeah. I think, and that's the thing where I say people hear it on Google and, and our boomers, unfortunately, tend to be the worst that fall right into that because then, well, my daughter heard or my son heard or mm. my friend when I was at Dunkin' Donuts heard. Yeah. You know, the market is this. I can get more from my house. And it and happens. And pride of ownership is that much oh, yeah. more as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which we hear that all the time. Pride but of ownership, you mean? Oh, that. Pride of ownership. That, and, you know, well, you know, I talked to somebody at Dunkin' Donuts, and they think yeah. that my house is worth this. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have a similar thing in my world. My neighbor got 12% this year. What, yeah. You know, what's my point? No, I know what that's like. Yeah, um, but with that, it's the numbers are the numbers. Yeah. You know this better than all of us here, so they don't lie. And the difference between the market today and the market 17 years ago when I started real estate is that the numbers are very much available. Yeah. So we have technology. We go to technology conferences. We're very high um, tech for our office, um, Boston Connect. We have all the tools. Uh, Mary's favorite one is called HomeSnap, which is now uh, branded with our logo and all of that. In HomeSnap, you can be in front of a house and it will tell you how much everything around you has sold for. You can't hide those numbers anymore. Okay. So 17 years ago, you had to trust that the real estate agent you were sitting with was giving was, you the real numbers. 
you know yep. so this is what you should put the house you know what you should sell the house for this is what you could expect to get now we know the buyers are looking at it when we when Mary works as yeah. a buyer's agent what's the first thing you do so for me I think because of the competitive market that we're in we take an area market survey that looks a lot like the survey that you have in front of you and just yep. show I'll say this is your price range this is the area that you're looking in here's the sale to list price ratio in that area meaning when sellers are putting their house on the market they're getting What's 99 the difference between yeah. what it sells for. exactly okay. mm -hmm. yeah. so they're getting 99% of what they're asking for they're getting 101% so if you feel as if you're going to have that <coughs> negotiating power it doesn't exist anymore but that's but doesn't that statistic that depends greatly on what people if people are listing it appropriately absolutely right i mean you could have one person that just throws it in in on a crazy but lists it for like a hundred thousand dollars higher than it's really worth and skews all those numbers but generally that house is not going to sell oh but it's not going to sell I see yeah so until, the buyers right. look at that as you know we'll wait until that person gets realistic this house is just overpriced it's yeah in the boomer generation has this mentality of let them just throw me an offer you know I have a house locally on the South Shore and you know I give a range of you know here a four houses that are similar to yours. This mm -hmm. is what they sold for. We can only look at solds. We can't look at what someone's on the market right. for because right. it could be 100,000 overpriced. Right. So if we have four houses, we add them together, divide by four, and then that gives us the median, and then we add 3% to each side. That's your range. This is where you can expect to get offers. Okay. <laughs> Notoriously, people want to be over that. Yep. You know, we'd say don't go over the high end depending on the, you know, the condition of your house. So if the house needs some repairs, we might say you're on the lower end of that range. Yep. You know, it's priced according to the condition. But if it's overpriced, people will come through the open house and they will just say it. It's overpriced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Buyers are so educated now, even just with HomeSnap. So that's the app application I use. I used it this weekend to look at a house in Quincy. And then right next door, I pulled up the app. There was a house that sold right next door, completely and totally updated for the same exact price. Mm -hmm. um, and I found out all the disclosures, flood insurance, asbestos. I mean, we can find everything now. Yeah. And that's a direct, um, it has a direct link to our MLS. So we give our clients access to that so they can see everything right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, buyers are very educated. Very. Well, there's similar to my world, there's just no room for emotions when you're mm. selling your home. Because everyone yeah. has, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone has pride of ownership. I mean, if mm -hmm. you live in a home for even a few years, you're going to be emotionally attached to it. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to also so, think about what we deal with, too. I mean, unfortunately, in our business, in with yours, and we've talked about this with financially secure women, is we're dealing with a lot of divorce, we're dealing with a lot of death, you know, yeah. uh, disability, those types of things too. So with those people, they tend to actually want more money because they feel like there's the divide. Now we have one family that's, this is the household we've ran with one. Yeah. Now we have two separate ones yeah. and three kids that we're sharing mm -hmm. or four kids or whatever it is in between. So. Yeah they tend to want it. So we really have to, when I do an analysis for someone, I bring them right into the office. I bring up MLS. If I just show up with paper, you're going to have to trust that I'm telling you the truth, right? Right, right. I bring How them old is this piece of paper, Sharon? Is yeah. it yesterday or is it today? Well, yeah. and not only that, I think it's how do you know if you, let's just say you're selling that four-bedroom colonial. And I bring you four-bedroom colonials. And I say, okay, this is the value of your house. You don't know if I'm giving you the top range. Yeah. You don't know if I'm giving you the low range. Yeah. You don't know if I'm really comparing apples to apples. You liking data? I love that, all of that data stuff. I really, I get in there, I'm like looking at the screen, I'm like, look at this house, can you see? But a lot of times I've had a client that, you know, from one of our, you know, water communities come in, 
they thought that their house was going to be like 1.2 and when I showed them the numbers it was interesting because now they're up out of their seats and they're looking mm -hmm. on the big screen too and they said we can absolutely see what you're talking about now and they were under a million. And it was less. Yeah, yeah so are, do you find that when people walk into your office they sort of already know what they want to list it for and you have to beat them down a little bit or yeah, more, more, even yeah. more so before yeah. they even politely, contact I'm us. Sure <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Politely, they, they in definitely a nice have way. A, a yeah. number in mind before. Yeah, because everyone because either. everyone can go on Zillow yeah. or true. What I don't know the other ones, truly yeah. or whatever. There's all, all these the different. Same, yeah. Oh, they Realtor. are. Com. Um, Realtor.com. Mm -hmm. I mean, all those websites are going to show you an estimated value of your home, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that doesn't really mean much. Although mm -hmm. I find it hard. I find it with all that data so readily available, this home snap thing that you're talking about. I mean, I find it hard that Zillow can be so far off. Mm -hmm. For example, I mean, I, I don't know anyone that works at Zillow, and I apologize if I'm not being very kind, but yeah. I just heard, I, I just think it's notoriously, or in situations, has been off by quite a bit. I, I find it hard to believe that given all the data that's readily available. Maybe yeah. they just need to well, work out their coding a little bit or something. They're not always using sold comparisons. Sometimes they're using assessments, like town assessments. Yeah. So a town assessment isn't necessarily going to be a hundred percent accurate it's to not the fair market value yeah right and they also don't know how updated the home your home no, it depends is. They don't on the I have no idea if you have a new kitchen or an old kitchen Absolutely. or a new bathroom and that's exactly yeah, the point you're right, you're and they don't right. know yeah. I mean just take actually you know you can take Duxbury for example are you down by the water then over near the bridge or are you on the side where you're closer to the Kingston Pembroke line mm -hmm. do you know what I mean there's a big difference when you're thinking about that for value in just one town similar yeah. to Marshfield as well. Are you directly on the water? Zillow can't see that. Right. So, so is this still a good time for people to list their homes? Yes, it, absolutely, especially if you want to sell. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> if yeah. you would like to sell your home. If you really want to sell, I yeah. mean, this is the, the So traditionally, people might wait until the spring, oh, February, I see what you're March, saying, April, yeah. but this is... Mm -hmm. I don't really think we've seen a bad, bad time, time. To, to sell this year specifically. I know that yeah. we, we had lulls in the past, but this year has been pretty consistent. Okay. Um, and with buyers being out there and readily available, I think statistically millennials and baby boomers are the largest generation that's coming into buying power right now, so they need somewhere to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I just feel that, especially with the millennials and the boomers, if you think about it, they're not the ones who have the kids that they're worrying about the school systems, and they're always looking for houses. So the majority of our buyers right now, I think it's like maybe 56% maybe are millennials. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not that concerned about the schools. You, you know, because they don't have kids yet. You mean? Yeah, because yeah. they don't have children yet, so yeah. they're not really worried about that. And the boomers, they're you know their kids are older and grown, and they're grandparents themselves, so they're not concerned. I have to be in there by you know Labor Day because the kids start school. Especially if you're changing towns, that yeah. becomes mm -hmm. a little more tricky. Yeah. But I feel that people are buying and selling all the time, and it's because of those things we talked about: death, divorce, disability. All those yeah. things are reasons and right-sizing. Bill uh, Connolly was on the show with us last weekend and mm -hmm. we were talking about, um, again, we were talking about this hot real estate market and how you know mm -hmm. homes are selling very, very quickly and he was touching on, you know, in his, from his point of view, what's the right order in which to do things? Do you buy the home first? Do you find the home that you love first and mm -hmm. then list your house yeah. so that you're not homeless? Or do you sell your home because it's a great time to sell your home and then figure out the details later? Yeah. What I mean, what's... What's your opinion on I that? I didn't listen to that show. I should have listened to I don't know. I wasn't around last weekend, so I couldn't listen. Uh, Bill always has very good input. I mean, he's doing, we've been doing, you know, loans, loans for, for a, a very, time. very long time. Yep. So he has a very good um, 
um, insight into what's going on in the real estate market. I mean, that's another thing that sort of sometimes is frustrating for us is, you know, when we're real estate agents, we're mm -hmm. realtors, like that's what we do as our job. <laughs> when we give something to an attorney, we let him do his job, but there are, and we give it to a loan officer, they do their job. Sometimes you get people out there who are giving advice about the real estate market that really don't really know exactly what's going on, so that makes it more difficult. <laughs> yeah, and I told, if you have listened to the show, I had a story about a real a realtor, not anyone in your firm, yeah. a, real a realtor who gave um, one of my advice. clients really bad financial advice, like really bad advice regarding what to do in order to become an attractive barter, bu buyer in a hot real estate market, taking money out of IRAs, et cetera. Oh, yeah, so just, yeah. so th th believe me, I, I, I know there are, when you're a professional in the line of work, don't, you gotta know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Stop crossing the line if you don't Absolutely. know, but no, I get it. I'm not going yeah, to my dentist so, to like amputate my foot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so what are you saying? Are people, are people trying to find the, their perfect home first? first well, because they're worried about being homeless or are people selling first or is it a mixed bag? Yeah, it's a mixed bag. I would say it's a mixed bag. It's really on a case-to-case -case basis is, mm -hmm. is what I feel it, yeah. where those specific buyers or those specific sellers are in their life at that time. Mm -hmm. Are they able to commit to selling the house and willing to have the flexibility to um, have a seller when they go to put in their offer either turn them down and or give them a strict mm -hmm. timeline to abide abide by mm -hmm. in order to sell their house um, or is that too risky of a scenario because there's a lot of nuances that come along with that yeah um, is that too risky and they would rather just sell their house first and then if they have to find interim housing um, and be put in that position can they do that mm -hmm. do you guys have advice that you generally give people or is it, it just situationally dependent it, i'm sure it depends on if they have a family if they have kids and they're trying to keep them in a school system and mm -hmm. it, yeah. or do you guys have general advice yeah. it's it's definitely Market. situational but i think that if you think about you know trying to sell your house first before you find something it would put you in a very good place to negotiate for your second home, yeah. right? Because now you're up against other people with multiple offers, people who are dropping their home sale contingencies, people who are s dropping their uh, uh, mortgage contingencies, to position, their home inspections. To position themselves as a more attractive buyer. Exactly. So I guess speak to that, I don't mean to sidetrack, but let's talk about that for a minute. So if you are if if you're selling your home, oh, our little timer went off that we, um, We'll take a break in one second, but if you're selling your home mm -hmm. and you have, let's say, five offers that come in the door, is the general practice that you just, you read through all those five offers and you're not necessarily taking the one that's the highest dollar amount, you're taking the one that's going to be the easiest to, to close, mm -hmm. quite frankly, right? And that might mean yeah, absolutely someone that doesn't have it, a mortgage actually. contingency. Have, or, yeah, we brought you another report. Thank, well, thank you. You know I love reports. <laughs> yeah, and, you I know. know. I didn't so generate is, any of my own for today. So this is, what, this is what we do when we have a multiple offer. So our oh, clients wow, cool. can best understand it. So this column, and I know that the listeners obviously can't see it or yep. your viewers, but a through B, we, I mean, so A, B, C. So it's just a lovely spreadsheet of information. 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 So offer price, what are the conditions that they have? Do they have a home sale contingency? Who's their loan officer? Mm -hmm. That's um, important. What was the deposit that they put down? What will be their deposit with the PNS? Mm -hmm. What's the anticipated date of the PNS? Is that what that is? Yeah. And like what's the anticipated closing date? Yeah. So, you, so you're, and what's the amount financed? That's interesting. Maybe you're going with a lower amount. A lower amount to be financed mm -hmm. is more attractive because then it's more likely they'll get the loan. Because, right? the, yeah, because the appraisal yeah. aspect of it, because people yep. are buying with emotion, so they're paying over um, list price. 
So back in the day, we didn't have to worry so much about the appraisal, but we have to worry about yeah. appraisal now. Yeah. But if we have somebody who is going for, you know, 50% of the, the sale price, you know, for a loan, then chances are we're not going to have an appraisal issue. But if we have somebody who's just putting 5% down and that's all they have and they're $50,000 cool. over asking price, then we're going to have a problem when it comes to appraisal. And sometimes, Alyssa, that's what agents will do. When yeah. we had a situation, we had eight, I think, on that house. And one person offered over 50000 It was $50,000 over asking. And you look at that as a seller, you're like, definitely, let's go that route. And you're like, it will not appraise. It's a trick. Well, this is interesting <laughs> because the highest offer on this sheet is higher by tw over $20,000 higher than the lowest offer. Mm -hmm. But it's the highest amount to be financed. So yeah. that buyer, even yeah. though they offered the most, they're relying on the highest amount of financing, mm -hmm. which is riskier. Which one did we choose? So we chose C, but we this, haven't. This was an interesting so little the exercise highest, that Sharon not ended up doing with, with okay. us. Interesting. We did not. We did not choose the highest. No. But yeah, because it, we, you can see that our listeners can't. But in C, it just made more sense to us. We were looking for flexible closing. The date. closing date was. We flexible. were looking for somebody who didn't have a home sale contingency because our sellers were also looking for their next home. You know, so they were looking for somebody who doesn't have that many contingencies, yep. and it didn't necessarily mean that it needed to be the highest offer. Was it over asking? Yes. So that mm -hmm. was that, that was, was a great nice. bonus. That was a plus. That's interesting. It yeah. was a great bonus, but we were definitely looking for somebody who was the most flexible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And too, now you can see sort of the way the team works. Yeah. Right. So I'm the listing agent on the property. Yeah. And it's really nice too. Who's a, who's doing this lovely spreadsheet? I am. Melissa, I love it. Thank you. I yes. love it. So that's where what I mean is that, you know, since Melissa is so very much detailed and she's so good at doing all of that, she can have us organized all the time, which gives us more time to be with our clients. Yeah. You know, when you're selling your house, you have questions all the time. Mary's out on the road a lot showing houses. Uh, the other nice thing is um, we were listing a house recently and we were talking about the price and Mary's like, no, I think you're over. it would be overpriced. She looks at things as a buyer's agent from the perspective of yeah. a buyer. I look at things as the perspective of a listing agent. Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's test the market a little bit and see if we can get them a little bit more. And she's like, well, if I was going to buy it, I would only give you this much. Yeah, that's nice. So we have a really good balance that yep. way. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just thinking, so, I mean, in, an, in situations like this, you could call up Mr. C and say, look, we're really inclined to go with your offer, but my client's looking for, you know, 5000 more because yep. we got, you were outbid by 15000 I mean, that this is just a normal part of your negotiations, yeah. I'd imagine. Right. Yeah, but yeah. we generally can't tell them exactly like that you've been outbid. But um, in this oh. case here, what we do is we go back to everybody and say, we now have four or five offers on the table. We want to make sure everybody is at their highest and best. Oh, okay. Um, so that's what we do. And then for our client, we give these two to the client, and you can see they're labeled ABC rather than one, two, three. We don't even want any subliminal. It's how they came in yep. to okay. the office, you yep. know, so yep. they can choose that way. Um, with this one, um, I believe this is the one, I don't even know what property is, so I don't say because I don't think it's closed yet. Um, uh, I think that we looked at it, I chose mine. Melissa and I <laughs> did this and we tricked Mary. Yeah. So then we gave it to Mary and said, which one would you think is the best one? And then we went to the home buy, the home sellers. Oh, cool. And they had the report and we're like, which one do you, would you? Well, also we're seeing a lot of people are writing love letters, and if you yeah, can what see is the that? last, so, I saw that love letter column. Yeah, is so it just a lot like, of people are, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like, I love your home. I live in the <laughs> yeah, same town yeah. as you. My mother grew up next door. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Something like it's that. Emotional everything, attachment. everything yeah. that you yeah. want the seller to know about you and how much yeah. you love their home. Yeah. So we're seeing that a lot. Um, for this one, we did get a couple of them, cool. but I read through 
Offer C's, and I was like, oh. Offer C had a love letter, and you did it with that <laughs> I one. That's it. why you fell in love with that. <laughs> yeah. That's why she fell in love with that one. But Mary and Melissa actually did the open house together on that property too, and yeah. it it does get hard for us because we can see the buyers. They're working with another agent. You know, for us, we play very well in the sandbox. You yeah. know. Um, and we'll do whatever we can to help our co-brokes, you know, to try to, you know, help them with the process. But you fell in love with that couple immediately. 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 It's just You were taken. And they weren't actually at the house for very long. But as soon as they walked in, I'm, I'm getting all sentimental. As <laughs> Wait, soon is as this they your house in, that was being sold? <laughs> or is well, this funny because, you know, Mary sees a yeah. house as from a buyer's protect, perspective. And, you know, Sharon is, you know, the listing perspective. But I always walk into a house and say, how can I live in this house? Yeah. You know? Nice. So yeah. I want to yeah. see. So that's yeah. why it's it's easy for me to pick a lot of the pictures and stuff for the marketing because I, I think this what room is better than the yeah. other rooms. But Melissa um, will go to, she'll meet the photographer because we do okay. professional photography yep. for all of our listings as well too. So the three of us really know the house very well. But she, there's, there's only, I think, been one of the houses recently that you're like, I couldn't live here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just I one could. so far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So. On that note, um, let us take a quick break, ladies. We're mm -hmm. talking with uh, Sharon McNamara, Mary Baker, and Melissa Wallace of Boston Connect Real Estate. And we're going to take a quick break and come right back. Alyssa, it's time for a break. Let's hear from our sponsors. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial. My three-year-old asked me if she could have a mermaid with purple sparkly hair. I said, sure, when you save up $18 and you can start by helping me put away the laundry. She was initially frustrated but was excited to have a clear path to her goal and a few shiny quarters. The parallels I can draw between her and a pre-retiree working towards a retirement goal are uncanny. Give me a call so that I can help you outline your path to financial success. 781 834 2010. You own a home and you want to refinance that mortgage you took out prior to June of 2009. That date's really important. If your current first mortgage is owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac and you close prior to June 1st of 2009, you may be eligible to refinance under the current Home Affordable Refinance Program. But this program won't last forever. I'm Bill Connolly, a certified mortgage planning specialist with Mortgage Financial. You can reach me at 781 871-1970. The rates are really good right now, and you can bet that they're going to be going up. Bill Connolly is an NMLS licensed mortgage originator in Massachusetts. His NMLS number is 48858. Mortgage Financial is an equal housing lender. Their NMLS company number is MC2644. All loans are subject to credit approval. This is 95.9 WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts, the South Shores radio station. You are listening to McNamara on Money. Please give us a call at 781-837-4900 with your questions or comments. Okay, Alyssa, let's get back to business. And we're back. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shores financial talk radio show. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we've been talking about um, all things real estate and hot real estate markets. This is sort of a, for me, this is a continuation of uh, last week when I was on with mortgage professional Bill Conley because we just, I mean, we talked about mortgages mm -hmm. specifically, but the real estate market in general and, and how to, be, you know, become an attractive buyer, how not to become an attractive buyer. Um, and, and so this is sort of a continuation mm -hmm. on that. So actually, it's, it's very nice. Um, I, we have pre-recorded this show, which is a rare occasion for us, but um, I will be out of town. So uh, thank you for um, your patience in that regard, and, and we're not able to take callers this morning. 
So we are joined by uh, three lovely ladies from Boston Connect Real Estate, all licensed realtors, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, Sharon McNamara, who's the owner and founder, and her team of specialists, Mary Baker and Melissa Wallace. Mm -hmm. Thank you, ladies, for coming on. This Thank is your you first time on the us. show. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little bit longer than talk real estate, but it <laughs> yeah, goes by quickly. Because it does it's go just, by very quickly. Yeah, it's nice. It's, <laughs> you know, when you just talk about what you love, it uh, time flies. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, and especially when you have all these lovely charts that and we report. can digest <laughs> and all these just spreadsheets. I'm just like <laughs> drooling over these spreadsheets that Melissa generated and, and you know all these numbers is just I'm just like a kid in a candy shop. Um, so we were talking before the break about um, about be, being a seller in this real estate market in which things mm -hmm. are moving very quickly again if priced appropriately and you've been talking about um, <clears throat> when you do your comps and and you know, you come up with a range and, mm -hmm. and you're recommending a listing within, what, 3% higher and 3% mm -hmm. lower than that average range. Yeah. What's your experience lately regarding whether or not people want to listen to you <laughs> and regarding if they want to list, I'd do people want to list A majority, higher? I feel, listen yeah, the majority to us. Listen. Yeah, majority yeah. listen. I, well, they're hiring you for a reason. So yeah, that's I just think yep. that there's maybe been one that I can think of right now that wanted to test the market, so to speak, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and it really is situational. It's not. Because, because <laughs> it's not yeah, working, what not happens is you, you yeah. price it too high, people are not excited about it, and then they lose interest, and yeah. then it's just And then it the becomes very stale, yeah. you know. So, and I know, you know, before the break we were talking about, you know, navigating home buying and home selling at the same time. Yeah. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. Um, I don't know which direction Bill went, but I think, you know, the pros and, there's pros and cons to both. I mean, if you list your house and you get it under agreement right away and you have what we call... Um, the seller is a contingency seller to find suitable housing um, mm -hmm. that could take a while so your buyer may not be willing to give you that time to do it and mm -hmm. in some instances since there's no inventory a lot of times the buyers are like fine we'll give you 30 days to try to find another house yeah um, he Bill was talking about his he was coming at it from the point of view of how do we add more inventory to mm -hmm. change the market dynamics, to get how do we get more homes on the market? Yeah, and I think his opinion, if I remember correctly, Bill, you can call and correct me if we're wrong, but um, he suggested people. Oh gosh, I think he said to list their homes first, mm -hmm. and then look for a sixty to a ninety day contingency to find suitable housing. Does Which, that sound like something he might have recommended? It might but, be, but um, that 60 to 90 days is going to be sort of difficult. Yeah, he was saying that, it, nor, I think I guess normally is it 30, mm -hmm. th I have 30 days 30, to find 30 would be wonderful. Not every seller is willing to um, oh, give you, or, I mean, that's oh, just talking from the other way, yeah. I, yeah, well, yeah. I, this was not my recommendation. I think what Bill was saying was that in order to get more homes on the market to increase inventory, if people would list first before yeah. they buy, list first and then look for more time to find suitable housing, that would create more homes on the market. Because, mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially if everybody yeah. would agree to that 90 days. I can but, see where, where right. his mentality is, right. is because now we have, you know, all of these people out there sort of looking for, the, everybody has 90 days to try to find a house. So I'm yeah. putting mine on, I'm putting mine on, and then at least you'd be able to maybe find one. Right. That would probably um, shift it upwards, but I just feel that, um, there is a big group of buyers out there still that are just like, I'm ready to go right now. 30 days does not seem like a long time to, to find, find suitable housing in this real estate market. No, it's rare. Are a lot of people moving in with family or mm -hmm. rent, finding mm -hmm. a rental in the interim? 
A lot do, but it also depends on where you're looking and what that buyer's or seller buyer client's criteria is. If you're specifically looking in one pocket of one town, one area, yep. and you won't move anywhere else because your kids are in the school system or you need to be close to mom or dad mm -hmm. because they're getting older, that makes it a lot more difficult. If you're looking in a broader range, then you have a, a better chance at um, finding kind of what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we're working with a client right now, and we put their house on the market down in Plymouth, and it sold right away uh, before the open house. That's the other thing too is pe oh. sometimes we'll say we, well, you know, we're not reviewing offers until after the open house, but then somebody will give you a very, very good offer that it's tough to refuse. But their criteria, I thought, was going to be a little more difficult than it was because she wanted a pool. And you know, a lot of houses don't have it. I mean, yeah. you know that the cost associated with putting in a pool is a lot. So yeah. I actually think we used your your scenario as an example of how mm -hmm. it doesn't. Sometimes it's not what not to do. The expense <laughs> of putting in a pool yeah, is very is yeah. very. It, it, it's a lot to take on. So yeah. mm -hmm. if even if they were willing to try and find something that checked off all the other boxes but didn't have the pool, um, they're still looking at possibly mm -hmm. over improving that house in the end, which is why they were leaving yep. Plymouth, yeah. um, mm -hmm. which is oh. their house. So. Yeah. Well, we found them a great home yeah. in Marshfield, and it, it has a beautiful plants. view. It has a great pool, yep. and and the cool broke that we, we you know we weren't listing it, but the other agent is very pleasant and nice to work with, which makes the yeah. whole process really nice. Driving around now, sometimes I'll see real estate signs out, and it will say "coming soon." Yeah. Is that they are they're, they want offers before the open house? Is that why they do that, or is that just just to create a buzz? Increased marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. a marketing move. Mm -hmm. um, we sometimes do that, um, but you know we have a new house coming on um, on Oldham Pond, mm -hmm. and um, we've been sort of doing a little bit of our you know marketing on Facebook and. Mm -hmm. And we put a sign up and everything. I so. feel like I saw this on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I just did yeah. an ad this weekend. It was weekend. something yeah. on yeah. the pond. And yeah. I remember. I was like, oh, yeah. that's so cute. Yeah, little red, little red dock. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> little red dock. Well, that's all she kept on saying. And it was a family home that she grew up on. She yep. grew up there. I mean, she's an adult now with her own children, uh, adult children. And um, she, when she was walking through the house with me, um, I guess it would be similar to, you know, Nana and Papa Sal in their house, you know. Um, you know, she, she was like, oh, when we come out of the water, this is, we would change our bathing suits here and everything. So, but she kept on saying the little red dock, the little, we're the house with the little red dock. That's so, so sweet. Yeah. That's so why I labeled it. it into a marketing team. Yeah. Um, so we sort of started this whole by, by talking about the pros and cons of buying and selling in a, in a hot real estate market. What are the cons of selling in a hot real estate market? Your home will sell too quickly. You have nowhere to live, I guess. Being yeah. Home, being yeah that would definitely mm -hmm. be that, the, That's probably the, the biggest. Yeah. 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 That's, it is number one. And if you have, but if you have family around and you can rely, or someone or close friends that mm -hmm. you can move in with for a brief period of time, you know, probably a good thing to sell yeah. first and then worry about the details later because it is such a good time to mm -hmm. sell, right? Yeah. But if you don't have that family, that's So you might get, you know, you yeah. might have, be in the uh, position where you're getting multiple offers, so you're getting a little bit more for your money. I think that the, this spreadsheet here that you're looking at is, that's what happened with them. They decided, you know what, we're going to sell regardless. We know that we're getting the a good amount mm -hmm. for the house that we yep. really want. We'll move in with family if we can't find someplace. And then they found a couple homes, went through a couple home inspections, and things didn't go well. Mm -hmm. um, so, well, they went through one home inspection and then one offer they decided not to go forward with or something. But for them, you know, young couple, no children. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to move in with mom and dad. Now mm -hmm. you throw kids into the mix. Now mm -hmm. think about all of that. Yeah. You know, yeah, so do mom and dad really want you to move in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. For three to six months. Exactly. <laughs> but, and, but now think about the costs associated with moving twice. I mean, so if you yeah. don't have any place to go and yeah. you have a full house that you're moving, now you're putting things in storage. 
yeah. you know? So you're moving out of your house into storage, you're paying the monthly cost, then you have to move it all back. Yeah. So there is a cost associated with that as well, you yeah. double your moving costs. What about from the buyer's perspective? Um, cons of buying a home in a hot real estate market is that you are getting into bidding wars. You can end mm -hmm. up overpaying for a home if you are, get emotionally attached to it, right? Yeah, ab absolutely. Paying more than it's really worth and mm -hmm. you, you are also risking being outbid. Mm -hmm. Falling in love with the home and then getting outbid. Yeah, right? you, do, you don't have a ton of negotiating power in, in a market like this. Okay. So unless you're willing, so we still have client clients, buyer clients who want to say, okay, well, what's the lowest you think I can get it for? Well, it depends what the seller is going to do. Are, do they have do they have one offer? Do they have no offers? Has it been on the market for two, three weeks? If you're really trying to um, negotiate a lower price point, my recommendation or and our recommendation mm -hmm. probably is to see if the house goes within the first couple of weeks. Because if it doesn't, then you have a more likely chance to negotiate if that's if that's, that's what your main concern that's is. If you're looking to purchase a home for less than mm -hmm. what they're asking. Fair market value or, yeah. or what they're asking. Okay. Well, that's but why how often is that working out these days? How often are homes sitting on the market? And it's if they are sitting on the market for a few weeks, it's because they were overpriced to begin with. Exactly. So, we're, yeah. so you're going like, to really it would spend hard for us to keep anything on the market. We've it been, has. Everything's oh going gosh, very quickly. Yeah. I generally have 10 to 20 listings at one time. And like right now, I think I, like active is like three. <laughs> you know, yep. we put them on and then they're sold. We wow. put them on and then they're sold. Yeah. So, um, but it's interesting too is you can see what perspective Mary and I come at things because if you look at my sheet, it says selling. And if you look at Mary's, it says <laughs> buying. Yeah. So yeah. that's how we're always looking at things. Yeah. But interestingly that you continue to go to that. But Mary also, one market that Mary's getting into that's extremely difficult is more into the city. So Quincy, Medford. Yeah. Um, it's difficult because city. things are going even quicker, you mean? Or oh, way more May, way more quickly than they are down here okay. um, in the South Shore and up in the city. I wasn't even privy to this until probably this past year, but what a lot of buyers will do there, and I find it absolutely amazing, um, is they'll do a pre-offer home inspection, which is they before they know it's going to be multiple offers. The listing agent will set a deadline of Tuesday at 12 o'clock that all offers are going to be reviewed, and they'll actually hire a home inspector to come with them to the house and do a two-hour home inspection, so they're investing six, seven, eight hundred dollars in that house before they've before ever they even gotten their offer accepted. This is a buyer? This is a buyer. Is bringing a home inspector with them? Before they even submit their offer. And they do that oh. because they want to be able to waive their home inspection contingency. Oh, to, be, to, to again, be, become a more attractive buyer. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so and interesting. That's... You've got to be pretty sure that you yeah. like a home if you're going to invest that kind of money. You have to be before. pretty sure that you're going to get it. Yeah, that you're, you're going to get that you're going to get it if you're end up with it. Yep. Um, and they so also, that's interesting. So that's more in the city. You're saying that more around in here? the city. Yep. And um, to me now, from a seller's perspective, I would find that extremely risky. That I don't know that I would, you know, tell my clients that they should allow that to happen because anything that comes up in that home inspection is now a disclosable issue for you as the seller. So if something came up okay. that it's you know we have a um, cracked foundation or the roof is leaking, whatever yeah, comes up. Yeah, I feel up, like that's a slippery slope. You're right. It is. You know. So now from the seller's perspective, I we have to disclose so this. So does the seller have to give? Um, consent for a buyer to have Absolutely. a... Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. You yeah. Over asking. But I mean, you just did one that you didn't get. Um, I recently made an offer that was $50,000 over asking. Um, and that actually wasn't really even the city. This was Quincy. Wow. Um, and they very, <laughs> 50, very... 50000 out of how much? 
What was the listing price? Um, the listing price was four twenty nine, wow. and we went in at four seventy nine. Wow! Um, and it wasn't price that we didn't get it; it was contingencies. So my mm -hmm. buyers did not opt to waive their home inspection, which I would we would never I, suggest them yeah, do. Yeah, never. Would you, have you ever would done never, that? I mean, ever, never. No. Even new construction. Yeah. Our yeah. clients, even if they're purchasing new construction, we say have the home inspection. It's Ultimately, just, yeah. it is their decision if they choose not yeah. to. We do have a wow. waiver. We have a waiver we, that we make them sign. Right. Yeah, um, but they didn't opt to waive their home inspection, wow. and, I, and they had an appraisal contingency in there because it is going so far over asking, which um, that's to say that the property is to appraise at or above the purchase price. So say we're at 479 right. and the appraisal comes in at 460 you well, have then, to be able to get your financing. Yeah, right. So unless they were coming in with a large deposit, that's why we have that spreadsheet. So we're looking at what the deposit amount was and how much they're financing. Yeah. Then my buyers wouldn't have the ability to make up that difference, forcing the seller to really come mm -hmm. down on their price point if they wanted to sell to us. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it does really come down to contingencies in almost every market right now. Yeah. So this falls under what not to do to make yourself an attractive home buyer, in, in your opinion, don't waive your home sale contingency. I oh, mean, your home, a home uh, inspection, inspection contingency. contingency. Right. I right. would well, say that's what buyers are doing in order that's to what get buyers it. Buyers are doing, but, but we would never suggest yeah, it. Yeah, that's really risky. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely does. From a seller's perspective, it probably does make you look a lot more appealing because oh, you're yeah. less risky. You're less risky if you're not having a home yeah. inspection. And the seller might know of something that needs to be oh, yeah. done, like, right? Jackpot, and now they're not going to find it, right? Yeah. And we don't yeah. live in the house, so as a listing agent, I go through the house. I ask the general questions: Have you ever had water in the basement? You yeah. know, how old is the roof? But I've never lived in these homes, so I have to, you know. And for the most part, I would say that all of our clients are being truthful with us. Um, you're just going on that. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's really risky for any buyer to consider not purchasing a home unless it's a foreclosed property and you're planning on flipping it but that's another yeah. show completely yeah. you know yeah. so right. you know what you're getting into we have a new uh, foreclosed property coming up um, in Duxbury and needs a lot of work you know so why bother having the home inspection really at that because point? they're yeah. gonna have to get it anyway it's going yeah. to be a contractor that purchases that house I'm guessing so yeah. or someone extremely handy uh, who wants to live in it themselves yeah so. Um, so I'll just tell the story really quickly because I told it last week on the air with Bill Conley is that um, I had someone come into my office and it was a prospective client and they were, um, they lived in the city. I, I don't know, it was Brighton or, or Somerville mm -hmm. yeah. or, or one of those uh, in the city. And he, he owned a condo in the city. He was looking to uh, move. He wasn't sure if he was going to be selling his condo or if he was going to rent it out and just and, mm -hmm. and buy this new yeah. property without without selling the other property. And this was, it was a year ago, but it was still at a time where I guess in Boston, the real estate market was was really mm -hmm. hot and things were going really, really quickly. And you had to make yourself an attractive buyer. And what his realtor told him, I think he had, I'll give you, I'll give you some numbers. Let's say for argument's sake that the condo was worth like half a million dollars. So he was trying to buy it for half a million. He had some cash. Let's say he had a couple hundred thousand dollars in cash. And then he had several hundred thousand dollars in IRAs. And his realtor said, Take three hundred thousand dollars out of your IRAs, and don't and and when you get your approved for your mortgage after you buy the condo, you can put the money back in your IRA. So, by the way, I don't know if you guys know much about tax law when it comes to IRAs and things like that, but don't ever recommend somebody does that because, while yes, he did have sixty days to put the funds back in. If you miss that sixty-day window, and he took thirty three hundred thousand dollars out of a retirement account, and he's under the age of fifty-nine and a half. He would probably owe the federal government and the state of Massachusetts about half a million dollar, about oh, two hundred thousand wow. dollars in taxes. 
on that 300,000 distribution if he didn't put it back in. Because if you take that much money out, all of a sudden you're in the highest tax bracket. Yeah. You're paying taxes at 40% federal plus a 10% penalty plus 5% to Massachusetts. So you owe oh 150 gosh. grand in taxes minimum if you miss that window. So if the mortgage, the appraisal didn't come through, he couldn't get the mortgage, oh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so he was just, he sat in my office and I'm explaining this to him, like why that's probably the worst advice you ever got. <laughs> and he was just like- Did he do it? No, I don't think so. I don't, I, he, no, he did not become a client, but I was very happy with that advice that I gave him that you yeah. should absolutely not do that. No. Um, to my knowledge, he didn't, but I, I don't know. Maybe he did, and he owed a bunch of money in taxes, and then yeah. that's why I never heard from him again. I don't know. But, yeah. but, do you but, see uh, the yeah. desperate me measures yeah. that some buyers are going to to make to make themselves look attractive? Yeah. He's trying to make himself appear right. as a cash buyer, right? Exactly, um, and yep. waive his contingencies. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So really scary stuff, though. But if you, I mean, if that works, that works beautifully. But if you screw that up, that is a very, very, very costly mistake. And this is how yeah. I feel about it. And we talked about this earlier. That is not my job to even even consider. Mm -hmm. I, I would always just yeah. see your financial advisor to, you know, help you with through that process because I don't really want to Yeah, the one. you don't want to be liable for that. Yeah. No, yeah. and then even when yeah. it comes to attorney um, items, you know, where, you know, working with um, a client right now and um, they are attorneys and they, and I said, you have to have a real estate attorney to help you with this whole process. You're buying a house, selling a house. And, you know, some things came up and it's, the advice that we would give because we see this so often 17 years and it was more about um sort of like a contingent sort of a contingency thing but a um, commitment letter whatever i said i don't find it to be that it's not to me it's not an issue it's a non-issue in my eyes mm -hmm. but there and i said but you have to talk to your attorney about it because i can't make that yeah. decision for oh, you yeah. i can tell you how yeah. it's worked for me for the last 17 years yeah but you have to talk to your attorney so yeah. it ended up working out everything was fine but you have to know when you have to you have to know your limitations yeah. when you're getting advice Absolutely. well i was so sure that i was if they lost their deposit i was going to pay it yeah but i, I mean, didn't yeah, say yeah. that out loud either because i don't want to contradict something that an attorney says yeah so of course not um, all right, w let's sort of maybe wrap up the pros and the cons of buying and selling in a hot real estate market. Are there any pros under buying in a hot real estate market? We came up with one. Whoa. Uh, what was yeah. the one? We came Is up there with one. one. Um, there? Interest rates are still low. And oh, there's true. A lot, Good. And there's a, Good and one. there's a lot mm -hmm. of loan programs out there for buyers yeah. to choose from. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of mortgage companies are trying to appeal to a larger demographic and with the millennials since they do they did have so much um, in student loan debt yeah. they've, they've made a lot of different mm -hmm. programs available to them because they want them out there and they want them buying yeah um, to keep the market flowing I guess the other way to look at it too is that if home prices continue to increase uh, I don't know how many real estate you know I, I again I'm, I'm familiar with financial markets and mm -hmm. sort of the ebbs mm -hmm. and the flows I'm not as familiar with the real estate markets but I would assume that um, you know, historically, it's home prices have inflated three, four, five percent per year, or something in that range. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm sure we go through peaks and troughs in that market as well. But if home prices continue to appreciate for the next two, three, four, five, six, ten mm -hmm. years, you know, getting in now would yeah. be you'd be better positioned, even though it's a hot real estate market and you're and you might be in a bidding war. Getting in now might be better off if if home prices continue Ooh. to appreciate. Mm. Um, but the problem is, is we just don't know. The you problem know, is, yeah, yeah you, you know, know. Can, who knows right. what's going to happen next People year. People that were buying know. homes in 2006 might have thought mm -hmm. that same thing, yeah. that yeah. this is, I'm going to get in now because home prices are just, you know, mm -hmm. uh, growing at, at, at a high rate. But 
then you know after that we had a little correction so yeah you just yeah. never know so we usually but. see it about like 10 years and I think that we're just coming off of that yeah. 10 years right now so who yeah. knows if yeah. there'll be a turnaround I know at the beginning of this year it was a little slower but that was probably um, sort of um, a hiccup that we had from the election and things like that so I think that people were a little nervous as we were getting to the yeah. end of the year last year yeah. and into the beginning of this year so yeah. people weren't buying November December last year which meant oh, sales were down in January February isn't that interesting yeah so I had a lot of nervous people in uh, coming into my office around that time yeah but I I guess mm -hmm. I never thought twice about if it extended to um, real estate transactions yep. as well, but it did. That's yep. so interesting. So people just wanted to see how things were going, and that's the difference between now, you know, even though it is a hot market, in 2004, people were making decisions, and just really no one was really thinking about them, you know, these McMansions and just everybody selling and bridge loans. People were, yeah. you know, phantom income. People were just refinancing and everything. It was just, but now it's, it's a little more settled down, and people are, making educated decisions which i feel a whole lot more comfortable with yeah so well absolutely mm -hmm. um all right let us um let us take a quick break and when we come back we will talk about um unless you guys have a different idea i would love to talk about home improvements and mm -hmm. where you get the most bang for your buck and where you're wasting your money and perhaps optimum time to do those improvements whether it's right before you sell whether it's right after you move in so mm -hmm. you can enjoy them um, etc. But we can take a quick break and we'll get back. Alyssa, it's time for a break. Let's hear from our sponsors. The South Shore's breaking news weather and traffic station. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial. My three-year-old asked me if she could have a mermaid with purple sparkly hair. I said, sure, when you save up $18 and you can start by helping me put away the laundry. She was initially frustrated but was excited to have a clear path to her goal and a few shiny quarters. The parallels I can draw between her and a pre-retiree working towards a retirement goal are uncanny. Give me a call so that I can help you outline your path to financial success. 781 834 2010. You own a business or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits. For instance, do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. You own a home and you want to refinance that mortgage you took out prior to June of 2009. That date's really important. If your current first mortgage is owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac and you close prior to June 1st of 2009, you may be eligible to refinance under the current Home Affordable Refinance Program. But this program won't last forever. I'm Bill Connolly, a certified mortgage planning specialist with Mortgage Financial. You can reach me at 781 871 1970. The rates are really good right now, and you can bet that they're going to be going up. 
Bill Connolly is an NMLS licensed mortgage originator in Massachusetts. His NMLS number is 48858. Mortgage Financial is an equal housing lender. Their NMLS company number is MC2644. All loans are subject to credit approval. This is 95.9 WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts, the South Shores radio station. You are listening to McNamara on Money. Please give us a call at 781-837-4900 with your questions or comments. Okay, Alyssa, let's get back to business. And we are back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shores Financial Talk Radio Show. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. By the way, if you haven't checked out our podcast, uh, podcast, you can search McNamara on Money in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to um, all of our shows if you happen to miss them live. You can also go to McNamaraOnMoney.Podbean.com. Does that sound right? You use Podbean. Yeah, I know. But That's you don't awful. give the direct address. I think it's McNamaraOnMoney.Podbean.com. Yeah. Uh, but thank you. That is uh, Sharon McNamara, who's the owner and founder of Boston Connected Real Estate and just happens to be my aunt yes. and mm-hmm. veteran of the show McNamara on Money. And also, if you don't know already, she hosts talk real estate with Sharon McNamara on Wednesday evenings at 615 mm-hmm. right after the news yep. and, and we I have a podcast too and your podcast do you have a fancier web address to obtain yeah, your podcast it's very easy yeah <laughs> is it just let me it's, guess talkrealestate.com no it's oh. close to that but it's talkrealestateradio <laughs> talkrealestateradio.com so you can go there but you can get you know just look up talk real estate radio uh, on your app and you'll be able to find all the past shows as well excellent all right so we've been talking about the hot real estate market and mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry I didn't mean to pass over but we are also here with Mary Baker and mm-hmm. Melissa Wallace and you guys make up the team Sharon oh I forget you had a name for Sharon it. McNamara Sharon? and team liaisons Sharon mm-hmm. McNamara and team liaisons do you guys have your own sign that you put on your Boston Connect sign that's like the Sharon McNamara team or is it's it it's too long so we just yeah. do Sharon McNamara yeah. so um, but we have our own logo yeah, for we do. when we're online and mm-hmm. on Facebook and everything you? yeah that's very adorable yeah you guys always have your marketing down <laughs> Um, and I think what we wanted to do was transition into, um, well, what I wanted to talk about was how to get the most bang for your buck with home improvements. Because this is something that I mm-hmm. have discussions regularly um, about with clients. Mm-hmm. And m- I guess most frequently it's someone who's about to downsize or right size, as you call it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Probably most often for me anyway a retiree or a pre-retiree kids are now grown and out of the house looking for something smaller um, but want to position it for uh, maximum sale price Mm -hmm. most bang for their buck so this is something that i'm you know i guess my generic advice not knowing as much as you ladies know about the real estate market and, and what what increases the sale price the most. But generally for me, it's, well, if you're doing your kitchen or your bathroom, that's probably worth it and anything else is probably not. Yeah. But I, I would love for you guys to get into some more details regarding that. I also found um, something that actually, I, I don't mean to keep talking about Bill Conley, but he was just on the <laughs> show last weekend and he just happened to send out an email recently, probably to his whole client base. And one of them was the top 10 outdoor remodeling projects and what the return on investment was in terms of you know percentage mm-hmm. of... Uh, percentage of ROI. So we can kind of run through those unless you might, you guys might have some difference of opinion. This is statistical and you guys have probably Mm -hmm. some real life experience in terms of, you know, you can see the look in people's eyes when they walk into a home and what they like Mm -hmm. and don't like. So, um, Pretty basic all the time. Everybody wants the same thing. I I mean, is it, is it kitchen, bathroom? Is there really anything else 
Those are your, probably your two most. I mm -hmm. think back to one specific house. I'm, you're probably going to think of the same one um, that we had in Pembroke. It had, the house itself was beautiful, but it had the most gorgeous kitchen you have ever seen in your entire life. Mm -hmm. um, are you thinking of the same one? I don't know. I'm thinking. Washington. Oh, okay, yes, 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 yes. Most mm -hmm. gorgeous pottery barn. I mean, they moved they, to they, Marshfield, yeah. Yeah, they moved to Marshfield. They, um, they did just such a great job yeah. with um, the renovation of that. Mm -hmm. And it was costly. Yeah. Um, she was an but architect. at the end of the day, that, that's one, of, uh, one property that we did get an offer for $50,000 over asking. So did she, so in your mind, so first of all, did she do that renovation in anticipation of sale or no. did she do it several years before? So she Probably not several years before, but pre-baby. Okay. So, um, and then I just think it was the kitchen of her dreams, of both their dreams, actually. Mm -hmm. They did a really nice job with that kitchen. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, now the rest of the house didn't sort of match the needs mm -hmm. anymore, you know. So it was an antique home and, um, you know, smaller rooms. Now, well, you know, you have the kids and now it's the bouncy seat. It's this, it's that. You know, now the rest of the house felt very small and antique-y. Yeah. So, um, it just made sense for them to right size, but they were right sizing upward, you know, to a bigger um, colonial style house. So do you, you don't have to give numbers right now, but do you know how much money she spent all in to redo that kitchen and how that increased the sale of the home? Like, are you, I would imagine you're not getting back dollar for dollar what you, what you spend on a kitchen, Yeah. but is it, do you have any, you like, is it 50%? Are you getting 80%? I, I don't. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure if I text her, she'd be very willing to tell us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and kind of give us the idea of, of where it was. I think they did it more so, like you said, for them. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it just, it helped everybody looked pa look past any deficiencies that the house had. Yeah. So no yeah. one could see anything else but the kitchen. <laughs> and that's where everybody stayed for the pretty much a majority yeah. of the open house. We yeah. had eight offers on that one? Yeah. Eight offers on that house the first weekend. It would be interesting since, well, Melissa loves spreadsheets. And Mary, I think you're the one that put together the, these other numbers here, right? This other, or maybe there's studies out there and we could just look into it. But it would be interesting to do like a joint venture study of, like I wouldn't need names obviously, but, yeah. it, but if you were to sort of track, you know, what, what someone like for the, for a home improvement like this what did someone all in including everything electrical mm -hmm. plumbing you know not mm -hmm. just the cabinets like what what was it all in to do this renovation mm -hmm. yeah. and how much it, it would be hard to figure out how much more that home actually sold for because there's the listing price and there's the sold for mm -hmm. price and then there's like well what if they didn't update it what would have been this listing mm -hmm. and sale for yeah. it's hard to know that but we could sort of you you know you could use comps to get that it would just be interesting to do a study like that yeah well we actually um, send out an update sheet um we just started doing yeah. that recently um so any of our new listings along with you know any potential questions that buyers might have we just want to be able to answer any of those questions yep. but I also send out um, sort of a spreadsheet of any improvements that you've made on the house mm -hmm. um, since you've you know taken ownership yeah and what was the cost so I mean if we so took a day that. we could probably go through mm -hmm. all of those and, and sort of compare what how how much they spent on the house how mm -hmm. much they got for it so the um, piece that would be difficult though is so you'll you would have the listing price and then the sale price the difficult piece would be what it would have, what it, what it would been, have yeah, sold before for the the if they hadn't done all those improvements yeah. that's the missing piece but mm -hmm. you might, maybe you guys could could we ballpark could. it but well and when you do that those updates that's the it's more the marketability 
You know, it's the same thing with a septic system. I yeah. Mean, that's not a sexy thing to really talk about, but, no, you know, it's people put in, yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, people put in their septic system, and if they're spending fifteen to $25,000, you know, between the engineering and putting it in, you know, depending on where their system is and what type of system they need, you know, a lot of times the seller is looking at that like, well, I just put in a brand new septic system. It's costing me $25,000. I want that $25,000 back. It does not work that way. Right. Because, well, especially with septics because you can't yeah. sell your home without a Title Five. Yeah, right? you so can't. That, yeah. So, so but marketability-wise, that now you're on the high end of your range, maybe a little bit more, because I can say this home has a brand-new four-bedroom septic system, so you're not going to have to worry about it for the next 30, 40 years, yeah. whatever. Does that really excite people? <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. you don't care. So your house is septic, no? Yeah, it does. Yeah, so... You just have to maintain it. But that's one of the things when you had asked me, you know, some of the things you wanted to talk about. For me, yes, it's all the glitz and glamour of granite and stainless steel. Everybody wants all those. Those are the showy, marketable things. I think if you're in a home, the best advice I have for my clients is continuously maintain the systems that you have. Mm -hmm. If you have a boiler, make sure you're having somebody come in once a year and maintain that boiler. Mm -hmm. Keep all those items up to date, you know, um, your air conditioning systems, you know, your electrical all of those items should always be taken care of. Okay. Your roof, I mean, if you have yep. one little area of your roof, well, take care of that, maintain it. Go into your own attic, make sure you don't have mold. Those items are big ticket items, so when we are selling a house, that's probably one of the number one things I would say that buyers are like, all right, well, you're on the market for $500,000, but I'm gonna give you 450 because it needs a new roof, it needs a new heating system, it needs a new electrical, mm -hmm. you know, now it's, those things they're bringing down because in their head a buyer seeing what's wrong not what's right they're looking at the roof is going to cost me twenty five thousand dollars when it potentially could cost eight they're looking yeah. at you know everything yeah, that the, they have to the do siding is, that needs to be the repaired, siding, the deck that needs windows, to be repaired all of those items they're double tripling what the cost is that's why a lot of times if i have a house and the person just doesn't have the income or the you know the liquid cash to make these repairs or these updates I'll always say the house is priced according to the condition it's in. So, Mr. Buyer, when you come into the house, you can see that we have all old windows. That happened in Norwell. Mm -hmm. I remember I said some newer windows, or I said newer windows or something like that, and she was like, well, all the windows aren't newer. And I said, well, I never said that. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see which ones are new and which ones are yeah. not. So I said the house is priced according to the condition. And that's always your, that's always your goal, right? Yeah. But then so, they would be priced on the lower end of the range. Yeah if we were gonna do something like that. So when I give that yeah. range, yeah, right, so. Yeah, because, you know, what, one of the questions that I get a lot is, you know, I'm getting ready to sell my home, I'm, or not not even necessarily a question, I, I guess more often I'm sort of inserting myself into mm -hmm. the, into yeah. the conversation <laughs> where mm -hmm. somebody might say to me, you know, we're, we're, we're gonna be selling in the, in the coming few years, but we need to take X dollars out of our accounts to do all these renovations, or we need to take um, a home equity line of credit to do all these renovations. And I'm, I'm just, again, inserting myself a little bit, but, but just mm -hmm. trying to be thorough in the job that I do. Um, well, what are those renovations? And I had a a one recently that was um, adding a new bathroom, renovating the kitchen, um, adding all the window, uh, I was updating there. you, yeah, doing, um, putting in all new windows, and, you guys know I, for, and mm -hmm. I forget if there was anything else. So, again, I don't have the statistics about what the return on investment would be, but if someone spends ten thousand dollars on windows, that's probably not much increasing marketability. Mm -hmm. 
And is that house going to sell for $10,000 or more mm -hmm. over what it would sell for yeah. if they didn't do the windows? So in that, in that situation, I was probably like, I don't know if the windows are going to mm -hmm. be worth your investment. If you want new windows and you're going to live there for 10 years and you want new windows, that's a different, that's a different mm -hmm. story. But with a, you know, with a kitchen, again, if it's somebody's going to spend $60,000 on a kitchen mm -hmm. for cabinet and cabinets and granite and stainless and all the plumbing and the electrical and all those little things that add up that you don't really think about. Yeah. But if you're going to spend that much on a kitchen, I get that it increases marketability, but are you going to get $60,000 more mm -hmm. for that house? Yeah. You know, hard for me to answer that. I would guess you I would guess you don't get all your dollars back on a kitchen remodel mm -hmm. even if it's brand new when you go to sell, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and the difficult thing about that client, I know I know who you're talking about because yeah. we were invited to go in there and, and give him some ideas and um, him and his wife yeah. and give him some ideas and suggestions of what we thought mm -hmm. would would best for him. The hard thing with him is that when he isn't even really sure when he wants to do the move. Right. right. So, what's also hard is we don't know where the market is going to be at that time. So if he did a sixty, if they did a sixty thousand dollar kitchen, well, perhaps in five years they could get all of that money back because the market has gone so high, mm -hmm. you know. Or the kitchen is so great and the area is so wonderful that people are willing to pay the higher end of the range in order to have that house. Yeah. So maybe they will. But if the market goes the other way in five years, which none of us know if that's going to happen or not. Well, potentially no. I mean, he could yeah. be underwater. But I was really glad I, I found um, them to be extremely smart. So I actually got a phone call this morning uh, from a friend through the kids in, in volleyball and stuff. And, you know, her mom is thinking about selling their house, buying a smaller one, and then an aunt, you know, buy, you know selling another house too. And these are the conversations that we were having as well. Like, what items do we do? But I was like, you don't know where you can go until you know where you are. Yeah. So the first thing is find out how much your value of your house is. But when I went over there, I'm glad he did this sooner <laughs> than later because one of the ideas um, they had was to make, they had a half bath on the first floor mm -hmm. and to take away from the kitchen in order to make that bathroom a full bathroom. So on the first floor. And as Melissa actually went with me that day, and as we're sitting there, I was just asking, well, why would you want another bathroom? Like, does your bathroom upstairs not have a tub? And they're like, nope, we have a bathroom with a tub. It's just that we think that it will be worth more if we have another full bathroom on if our first floor. you can list it as a two bath. Well, it already but had, it had two anyways, right? Maybe two. it was two and a half and they wanted no, to go was, to three. Yeah, it was one and a half. It was half. one and a half. And they wanted yeah. to go to two. And they wanted to make but it two But who showers full. on the first floor? Exactly. Right? There was unless no it's bedrooms. a ranch or, or yeah. unless it's a bedroom There were right no there. bedrooms on yeah. the first floor. So, you know, we, we let them, we just sort of looked at each other and we were both like, I don't think that you're going to get the value of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, uh, the people who would probably want to buy that house are, you know, they have small children. Are they really going to be washing their kids on the first floor to bring them up to the second yeah, floor no, to put them that. to bed? No. Yeah. Yeah. No. It no. just... Uh, once we got sense. that out, they were like, okay. Uh, it was almost yeah. like a light dawning on Marblehead type <laughs> thing, though, yeah. you know, because one of the things I said is, you know, they have um, an older son who is using the, a dining room, right? So the house is bigger than what they need for the two of them, but the son is on the first floor now um, using the dining room as a bedroom because it's, it's blocked off. You know, and they're like, well, we thought, you know, maybe somebody older might want a first floor, you know, bedroom, and then they'd have that bathroom, a full bathroom. And I just looked at them and I was like, so why don't we go back to why you would think about selling? Like, why would you sell this house? Well, it's just too big for us. I said, so the, you're never going to buy this type of a house. Right. <laughs> you know, right. so the demographic you're talking about right. that you think will want this 
is leaving it. Right. <laughs> you right. want that one level living. And that's when we started mm -hmm. talking more about it's going to be somebody with kids, especially in the town that you're in and yeah. everything else. So we probably saved them a lot of money, by yeah. the way, because people think, oh, I'm just going to move this wall back. Oh, what are you going to do with those hardwood floors now in that tile? That there's a, you know, you can't match things up. So now you're replacing everything. Yeah. I remember when we were, when I was in Norwell and that small little ranch, which when we bought it, I loved it. Yeah. And I it was just cute. like a little charming little house. And I remember ask, I remember mentioning to you one time, we weren't sure if we were going to leave or if we were going to stay. We wanted to stay in Norwell at the, t at the, well, at the time. And even now, Norwell just isn't as, as yeah. affordable Did you as, have as some other towns. Girls then? I was pregnant with my third when we okay. decided to sell. But I remember saying to you, well, we're thinking about if we stay and how we could make this home, you know, livable for a family of five because it was very small. And I said something about we're just going to refinish the basement and put the master suite in the basement. And you're like, do you really want to <laughs> live in the basement? This was a 1940 or 1950 it's home. It's on our list. Do not do basement right bedrooms. Right there. Do not, Don't yeah. do basement do, bedrooms. You were like, do not do. you're not going to want to live in the basement, especially when your kids are on the first floor yeah. with like accessible windows, which was something that I was always like really paranoid having my yeah. kids sleeping on the first floor with accessible windows. I put those little alarms on it and stuff like that. But um, you and I was just like, oh yeah, no, I don't. Of course not. You know, and especially yeah. that basement. It wasn't even yeah. like it was like a walkout type no, no situation. Real oh yeah, no. It was like those tiny windows at, on no. the ceiling, oh, and no. that basement was so. <laughs> We're glad you did And didn't the staircase do that. was like you know, forty-five degree angle that or whatever. She had a yeah. couple times didn't I have know. great ideas. But <laughs> <laughs> I brought her right back. I was like, and that was the nice thing about working with you. I was like, yeah. I can say whatever I want right now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? It must be different with clients that aren't. Uh, family you members know, are you have to be sort of gentle well. with the family. Sometimes, yeah. There's, there's Sometimes. a level of comfort. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know that you can sort of push the boundary a little bit and and say what's really on your mind. Yeah, but yeah. honesty is appreciated. Honest. Oh, of yeah. course it is. And yeah, everybody you know appreciates the honesty. So and you spend a lot of time with people, so you you know you can't you, help you but get, to, get involved get in their personal yeah. lives. Actually, and, I remember uh, one client um, actually, Evan um, when the first time I had met him actually, and the majority of our work is referral work, so people will come because they were referred to us, but. He had found one of our listings or something and found me online and then he asked me to see a house that he saw, I don't know, online or yeah. at, and then he went to the open house or whatever and then asked me to go back with him. And he was a police officer, SWAT, Boston. We work with a lot of police officers and firefighters and stuff. And uh, I said, I wouldn't buy this house if I were you. And he's like, really? And I was like, I just wouldn't. I just think that you could do better than yep. this. I didn't know really what his employment was or anything, but then when we, he left, um, he went and did our, a very thorough check on my background because he was a police officer, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he asked to meet with me again, and he said, I really appreciated your honesty because I was ready to write an offer on that, and mm. I didn't think of the things that you had said until you had said them, but I felt like I could really trust that you were going to help me find the right house, and it took us over a year. Yeah. Over a year to find him the right house. No, well, good. For but you. he's in the right he house, did. and he's been there for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's happy. Yeah. Good. Um, all right, let me give you some scenarios because okay. I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm looking. I have been for a long time, and I'm looking for answers and stuff like this because I want to be able to relay it um, to my clients. So let me give you a couple scenarios. So let's yeah. think about a home in like the three hundred thousand dollar price range, mm -hmm. without an updated kitchen, and without updated bathrooms, mm -hmm. and let's say client has $50,000 in the bank and they say to you, should I spend my $50,000 to renovate, I don't even know if you can renovate a kitchen and a bathroom, 
for mm -hmm. $50,000, but maybe in a smaller home you could. So mm -hmm. is your general answer yes, <clears throat> because you have the means to do it and because it will increase saleability and because it will increase price? Or is your, is your answer ever no? Or does it depend on a lot of other factors? Is that a hard, is that not a fair a, question? Yeah. And are they buying another house? Yes. So are they upsizing or downsizing? Let's assume or? they're upsizing. Yeah, because it's 300000 Generally speaking, I would say no. Yeah. If you're planning on selling right now, then don't do it. And that's even going back to the last person we were talking about. There is going to be a span of probably three to five years where they're still in that house. And they are going to do the kitchen over. And I referred them to one of my clients, actually, uh, Bill Stella Kitchens in Hanover. And um, they're doing, um, no, he's in Norwell, actually, doing the kitchen over. And, um, and I said to them, when you do this, do it because you want to enjoy it yourself. Yeah. You're here for another three to five years. But don't overdo it. So you don't want to go ahead and spend a full $60,000 on a kitchen. You can get a very decent kitchen probably for thirty-five dollars or $40,000, okay. you know. Don't do that. If you know you're leaving, don't do the highest end of everything. Right. Right? You want to do something nice but affordable. So maybe know? put in the granite so that it's more appealing when they walk in. Exactly. Or, yeah. And there are different levels of cabinets that you can get. You know, when I did my kitchen probably, I don't even know how many years ago it was, I didn't go highest end. I know I have a three-bedroom cape in Pembroke. I did something very traditional with shaker style. They're um, like maple cabinets, solid, but I didn't do the over-the-top gourmet, yeah. you know, Viking stove with the Sub-Zero yeah. because it just doesn't fit for my home. Yeah. So I didn't think that that was a good idea to do. So I say with the $300,000 house, I would say no. Okay. Maybe you can get away with painting the cabinets or sprucing it up. Yeah, or new countertop or something where yeah. it's, you're spending a few thousand dollars but you're making it look really nice mm -hmm. when buyers come in. So on the other end of the spectrum, if you are if you have a $900,000 home, let's say it's on a large piece of land in Duxbury and it's really big, mm -hmm. let's assume you don't have an updated kitchen. At that price point, are you getting more return on investment Mm -hmm. Because someone's going to walk into a $900,000 home in Duxbury and they're going to expect certain things. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and maybe it's not going to sell if it doesn't yep. have the updated kitchen, right? 100%. So, so probably a different answer. They're going to expect it, um, especially in the higher end. That's what we're seeing, that they're going to expect it. And again, I wouldn't go overboard. I think that people mm -hmm. just want to see the granite and the stainless steel and all of that. Um, so I wouldn't go overboard too much with the kitchen. I don't think that, there's two ways of thinking of it too. So if somebody's buying a house in Duxbury, they just might be happy to get into a home in Duxbury for $900,000 that maybe the new people purchasing it are like, we're fine, we'd spend this amount of money and we'll do the kitchen ourselves. So yeah. it could go either way because you're having a higher end person purchase that house. So you just have to make sure that your house is priced according to the condition that it's in. You may have more buyers that want that house because it's done over, because visually it's more appealing. And perhaps you have two parents, you know, both, I'm assuming I'm using, you know, a family. They're both working. They don't have the time to do that. Yeah. But you could have the opposite. You could have a family that's, you know, extremely, um, you know, maybe they're just well off and they don't have to worry about the financial burden of it. And she can be doing the repairs. So you're not going to give me a straight answer. It's it's it unfortunately depends. it's an it really depends. depends. All right. It All depends. Another reason to call a realtor and get it. Yeah. It's yeah, so yeah, situational yeah. to yeah. the client and what they want, where they're going, how much they have, mm -hmm. um, and then the buyers who are coming in, the buyer pool that you're attracting. Yeah. yeah. I guess from my point of view, it's what the answer might depend on 
Well, number one, how long you're going to live there. I mean, if it's selling imminently, I generally don't mm -hmm. think improvements, yeah. of their, many improvements are worth it. But um, I also think it's, do they have the cash to make the improvements? That's important. Are yeah. they taking a loan? Are they using their equity line of credit? You know, if you're borrowing to make improvements that you might not get all your money back on, that's that's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're waiting to sell, because again, we don't know which way the market is going. Yeah. So that's sort of risky. Yeah. Unless you say, all right, the market has declined. It's three years in. We thought that we would be selling now, but since the market is so declined, we're going to stay here for longer. You know, but sometimes people don't have that choice. Maybe they're relocating for another job or something like that, so they have to move. Um, I just want to go through some of these, this email I got about yeah. the top 10 outdoor remodeling projects. So it yep. gives you 10 projects that you can do outside of your home and what the return on your investment would be. So a couple of them are just interesting. The number one, I don't actually I don't know what order these are in, um, but the number one uh, on the list is basic lawn care. Mm -hmm. So it says for an estimated cost of about $350 for applications of just fertilizer and weed control to make sure your lawn is beautiful, they say an estimated 300% return on investment. So if you invest 350 bucks, you're gonna get $1,000 back mm -hmm. when you go to sell. That's what mm -hmm. it's, that just for making your lawn green and beautiful. You yeah. know, stop me if you think any of these are. No, um, I just ridiculous. think that there's a really hard, that's a really hard, it's hard for us to say exactly how much you're getting. You know what I mean? Because how do we know it wasn't the kitchen really that got you the more money for that? Right. I think that the appeal is, it's a marketing appeal. Curb appeal is, Curb appeal it's is a real everything. thing, right? Yeah. I mean, the first thing you, I remember you told me when we were, um, when we were looking to buy a home and I would email you and say, this one just came on the market, can we go see it? you wouldn't even show it to me until we drove by it. And mm -hmm. you're just like, you need to drive by it yourself mm -hmm. and see if you imagine yourself living there. And if you drive by something and it's, you know, crabgrass and weeds all over the front lawn mm -hmm. versus a beautiful, you know, expansive green lawn, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's a real difference in yeah. that. Yeah, and what helps though from a seller's perspective is if you do take the time to take care of your lawn, when you drove by the house with all the crabgrass and everything, you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's gonna cost me thousands yeah. of dollars to repair. So again, I feel like it's more the curb appeal and more the market, more, I'd say that that one's more marketing. Yeah. Um, but that's also the reason why you see a lot of more, like people think spring market, spring market, because they think, okay, the winter is behind mm. us, especially the in New England. The pictures will look so beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Here's another one, new patio. So for an estimated cost of $6,000 or $6,500 for a new patio, it doesn't mm -hmm. say how big. It's, it's um, estimating about 100% return on investment, 102% to be exact, meaning you mm -hmm. get your money back if you invest roughly $6,000 on a new patio. Mm. It doesn't say the size or anything like that. But what do you think, Sam? We're thinking yay or nay. I want thumbs up or thumbs down. Oh, I'm thinking oh, from, the radio listeners can't see Yeah, that. I know, yeah. but I'm thinking from <laughs> a listing perspective. I want to see what Mary says from a buyer's perspective because okay. I have my thoughts. I think it would be very appealing to the right buyer. So it would depend if you're if you have a young family who's coming into it, not even a family really, a young couple who's just starting out. They're going to want their outdoor space, so they might see that more handy. They you, you might get somebody to pay for that. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on the land, the plot of land in general. Like, what are your neighbors like? Do you envision right. yourself being yep. outside a lot? Is there is there a crappy yard next door? You, know? you could have yeah. kids out. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, right. And I think this right. exercise is making me so nervous because I don't want your listeners to think. Oh, I heard them say that we're going to get this amount oh, back. Well, go ahead yeah. and do it. Right. So, <laughs> so that's why I'm a little anxious. We'll go ahead and give them Well, yeah. there, I do. I do run a disclaimer. On okay, this show, great. Because but no, we'll throw out the disclaimer that I mean of course this is 
generic advice. It's not yeah. meant to be personal advice for anyone, and anyone listening should contact either you or their or their realtor yeah. or trusted realtor for a, a, a you know, a situational, more, a more detailed, right. yeah, because I'm a recommendation looking, tailored to you specifically. This is I'm just talking yeah. in generic terms because I'm not going to hold Sharon I McNamara. <laughs> <of Boston laughs> well, I just don't estate. want people to go out and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to go out and spend six thousand dollars because a lot of times for me, when I'm helping people put a house on the market, I don't want them spending a lot of money in order to do that. Yeah, I'm going through. I'm also a you know, certified staging professional. I'll go through the house. I'll give you some ideas of what you can do to improve your house without spending a ton of money. Yeah, so don't go out and spend spend six to ten thousand dollars on a patio because you think you might get that return I just don't you know I just don't see it myself yeah and I think a lot of the well I think this might be helpful for people not necessarily people that are thinking about selling right away yeah but as you go through your life in a home mm -hmm. yeah you might be like Oh, should I spend like five mm -hmm. or ten grand to put a nice patio in? And you might be thinking, well, down the road, is that going to make sense? Yeah. You're not going to call a realtor if you're going to yeah. be selling in ten years. No. But it might just be helpful in terms yes. of, am I making a relatively smart decision, or is this the dumbest decision I could ever yeah. make? So I think it's helpful more in that regard. Yeah. Uh, probably, if someone's thinking about selling very, very soon, Probably none of these are a good idea. Yeah. But you know, the first yeah. first piece of advice is call to call a realtor before you spend any money if you're gonna be selling. That's the first thing I tell mm -hmm. my clients when they ask me, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about selling, I need to take a loan to do this, this, and this. The first thing that would come out of my mouth is please call mm -hmm. a realtor or two, get some opinions, don't spend any money before you do that. Yeah. And I know that the one client that we were talking about, I, I know he was extremely, they were so happy that mm -hmm. I had given them the advice I had. I was like, do not spend the money to do that. It's not necessary. Yeah. But you know, this list is great. We're only talking about the exterior. An assumption that the interior is great and mm, that your roof true. and your true. mechanicals are perfect. Don't spend ten thousand on a patio <laughs> yeah, yeah. if there's no functioning <laughs> bathroom. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, because I just think you know, I I just envision people you know hearing just a little bit, you yeah, know, yeah, and that's yeah. the scary thing yeah. is, well, I have this beautiful six thousand yeah. dollar you know patio. We can sit out here you know four months of the year. And um, yeah, like I have rotted window yeah. sills and <laughs> I have fuses. Well, I have. That brings us back to the three hundred thousand dollar house. You know, I was thinking the same. The same exactly. updated kitchen or bathrooms. You might expect that they're not going to be updated sure. in that price yeah. range. But you want you expect that there's running water in that house. Right. That is, the right. roof and it's isn't not coming from the ceiling. Yeah. And it's not coming from the ceiling. It's not behind the wall. You know, and so that's yeah. what we would suggest if you yeah. had the fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Just make sure the mechanicals are all working. Yeah, but that's mm -hmm. not the fun stuff to talk about. It is. I, I understand. <laughs> but now I you totally have like that, you know, that. especially that three hundred thousand price range. There were not many of those homes. So, you know, you have the buyers that are coming in and generally speaking it may be like a younger couple that just doesn't have like the money it to do yeah. you know a new roof right now but they can wait three or four how long did it take you before you put in your parents kitchen right because you were in your house in Norwell right. for a little while right and then when your parents did their kitchen over is we when you did yours cabinets yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember that was so, the greatest. yeah yeah, yeah. So. and then we sold it exactly yeah I didn't so. get to enjoy that kitchen for very long all right, I'm going to do a couple more before we take our break. Right, I cannot we'll... wait to hear them. Come on, <laughs> this is fun. This is fun yeah. for me. Um, I'm not going to go through all ten. I'll just go through sort of the, the fun ones. Um, a new wood deck. So for an estimated cost of, let's round to $10,000, mm -hmm. return on investment anticipated to be just over 100%, 106%. Mm. So, so anticipated dollar for dollar back on a new wooden deck 
Mm -hmm. $10,000. The, the deck I agree with. Relatively okay, so, fair. And, yeah. But I would do Trex. Who doesn't love a beautiful new deck? Yeah, but I would, is the, yeah I would do a smaller deck in Trex. Is the <laughs> if you only have the $10,000. The, the composite. Yeah, the composite. Yeah. yeah. And vinyl, you know, with the vinyl yep. um, railings and everything. Yeah. So that's the other thing, too, as you're doing improvements on your house, if you have the money to do it. So this goes back to your hiring client. If you realize that you need new trim on your house, that's expensive yeah. to do. And even on my small three-bedroom cape, uh, we last year invested in replacing all the trim with PVC trim. Yeah, we're thinking about doing that. Yeah, too. it's yeah. expensive, yeah. but it's absolutely 100%. It yeah. will last forever. Yeah. And then when I go to sell it, and the maintenance of it is nothing. Yeah. So when we go to sell our house one day, um, if Mark will ever allow that to happen, yeah. um, <laughs> we can. That's a very good selling point. Really? And now, oh yeah, absolutely 100%. I probably would have done that before you did some of the other fun Stop things. Stop it. We, we are, <laughs> I, I, I tell people that yeah. doing the extensive work that we did in our backyard yeah. in the fall and the spring, it was the worst financial decision that we've made, but the best lifestyle decision that we've made. And we're going to be in that house for 20 years. And you know what? I yeah. And you know what? I remember we were talking about that yeah. one time. And I think that you, we put the pool in for us um, when I was pregnant with Casey as well. And I got so many years yeah. out of it. And even now... I see her out there, and she's yeah. so um, it definitely it's, that is. was a lifestyle choice. One hundred percent. We're not like, a, and I was telling my mom, we're not, we're not really the type of family that's just gonna go to Aruba once a year. We're not mm. like a beach vacationing, tropical vacationing family. Mm -hmm. And so this is our vacation. We can walk outside, yeah. and you and know, you don't have and, to justify it. By the yeah, way, I think it's yeah. great. I mean, even though you are in Marshfield, yeah, going to the beach with three little kids is yeah painful. It's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of work, you know. But now yeah. think about, you know, the, his little exercise for you as a financial person. You know, now think 20 years from now, the amount that you spent, divided by that amount. Right. How much are you really spending a year on right. that? Right, You know, right. I can justify anything, yes. believe me. Thank I've been you. married I've 25 been, years. I've I'll let trying, you know how to do it. <laughs> I've been trying to justify it to myself. I really don't have to justify it to anyone else. Yeah. But to, my, to myself, being of the financial yeah. mind that I, yeah. that I am, it was, it was sort of scary for me to do that, knowing I probably yeah. wouldn't have recommended it to my clients yeah. but but you're going to be long choice. term yeah. yeah all right couple more then we got to take a quick break fire pit 78% return on investment for an estimated cost of 4500 for dry stacked natural stone fire pit and gas burner with 10 foot diameter flagstone patio yeah. so like a built-in patio yeah that's, that's no. stone fire no, pit no don't no. do it no that's kind of a lot of money $4500 it's them. almost, it's also ridiculous. Let's put it this way. Well, I mean, Casey had What her, does the rest of the backyard look like? Yeah, yeah it better be pretty good. It's strange it be, just It better have that itself. perfect green lawn, it right? Better. <laughs> not, it better I not like have the green lawn so, the best out of any of so these thumbs, right yeah. So probably thumbs, thumbs down. down. I like the deck down. so far down. The best. To me, it's the deck, the deck so far. The deck. All right, two more. This is, and these ROIs get smaller, actually. 60% return on investment for a fireplace at an estimated cost of $13,000, veneered masonry stone, gas starter, chimney, and wood mantle. So that's now, not exterior. This, uh, oh, you're right. This does say outdoor remodeling project. It doesn't, it doesn't specify. Yeah. So if it, it, was it, an, if it was an outdoor fireplace, that would be It's got to be covered. Yeah. Unless it's like a... Yeah, it's, if it's outdoors, I'm thinking, no. We, yeah, I'm thinking that's a, you're right, that's, that's a thumbs down one. That, a thumbs down, okay. Yep. That was a low return <laughs> on investment. And, and pool, obviously, you always hear you never get your money back on a, tool, on a pool. You might actually lose money putting in a pool, right? Well, and, but again, you, 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 you wrong, never but, know. Yeah. I mean, we have a client right now that only wanted a house with a pool. 
So, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it worked out perfectly, but then yeah. we, we've also had clients that are like, I don't want anything to do with the pool. They think about the cost to fix it, to mm. repair yeah. it, to keep it maintained. It also depends on how long the pool has been there. Yeah, yeah, the yeah if it's a 20-year-old pool and it needs a ton pool. of work. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. then that's a negative to a buyer. Right. Yeah, because right. now it's their problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is the situation I'm in with my pool. I mean, Casey's now, what, she's going to be 23 soon, and my pool needs some work. Yeah. So, But I'm at that point, too. I'm thinking about my return on investment. That's where I am Does in it my life. Does make sense for you? Been yeah. in this house 25 years. Do I want a, your parents' house um, that down in Florida, the one that they had the waterfall yeah. that went into, like, Honestly, it was like my place. I always said to your dad, I want first right of refusal on that house, but it happened when I had two kids in college. I pictured that. I was like, yeah. oh, that's what I want to do. And I said that to Mark. And I was like, oh, I'll start going on Pinterest. And then I started thinking about it. And now I'm going to replace all the cement, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I'm not spending yeah. $75,000 in this backyard right. when I really don't know if I'm going to be here. Right. So right. I'm better off to just keep it the way it is. It's a regular pool. Yeah. and It'll be what it will be when you go to sell. Yeah. yeah. And we've had this conversation with you, yeah. actually. You know, yeah. we're thinking about, you know, at, you know, five-year term or whatever goal to have a little house down the Cape. Yeah. So a cottage. So yeah. if I'm going to be so down gonna the cottage. So you're going to sink that 75000 into in increase your current home or save that for a down payment on exactly. your next pro property. And yeah. not only that, if I have a beach house down the Cape, I won't be sitting by that pool. Um, ladies, let's take a quick break. We'll come back mm -hmm. for one last segment. And I thought we could talk about um, if you have any, any other um, ideas regarding improvements to do or not do. We can touch on that. But also I wanted to talk about um, optimum time in life or life stage mm -hmm. to right size and the financial ramifications of that yeah. um, and from a real estate point of view. So we'll mm -hmm. take a quick break and we'll come right back. Alyssa, it's time for a break. Let's hear from our sponsors. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial. My three-year-old asked me if she could have a mermaid with purple sparkly hair. I said, sure, when you save up $18 and you can start by helping me put away the laundry. She was initially frustrated but was excited to have a clear path to her goal and a few shiny quarters. The parallels I can draw between her and a pre-retiree working towards a retirement goal are uncanny. Give me a call so that I can help you outline your path to financial success. 781-834-2010. You own a business or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits, for instance, do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. This is 95.9 WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts, the South Shores radio station. You are listening to McNamara on Money. Please give us a call at 781-837-4900 with your questions or comments. Okay, Alyssa, let's get back to business. And we are back to business again. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shores financial talk radio show, my favorite financial talk radio <laughs> show, and I hope yours as well. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. 
Uh, we have been joined this morning by three of the lovely ladies at Boston Connect Real Estate. Sharon McNamara, who's the owner and founder, and her team liaisons, Mary yeah. Baker <laughs> and Ma uh, Melissa Wallace, also licensed realtors as well. Mm -hmm. And they make up the Sharon McNamara team. I know I said that wrong. Sharon McNamara and team liaisons. Mm -hmm. um, but before we run out of time, as sometimes we do toward the end of the show, why don't you guys give out your contact information in case anybody would like to contact mm -hmm. you for any reasons, perhaps regarding whether or not they should be doing yes. home improvements if they're thinking <laughs> about selling, as we've been chatting about most recently. Yes. Um, so you can reach us at the office, which is 781-826-8000, um, but we're on social media everywhere too, so you can find us obviously on Facebook. What is our Facebook handle to? It's um, BCRE or Boston Connect Real Estate. Um, ours is Sharon McNamara and Team Liaisons. Okay. <laughs> so you can find us on social media and the podcast too, because I do talk real estate, uh, the radio show, which is Talk Real Estate Radio. So you can go there and find us and catch up with us. And bostonconnect.com is really the easiest way. Okay. Um, all right. We Before the break, we were talking about some home improvements to either do or not do and yeah. what potential return on investment was. And I had found an article about, regarding some outdoor home improvements. Mm -hmm. And you guys gave some thumbs up and some thumbs down. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, there was actually one more I wanted to touch on. Yeah. And then I found a list of some indoor home improvements. And again, you guys can just, again, this is just general. Yeah. I know that it I think sort it's of fun. all depends on <laughs> the house in general and the yard yeah. in general. But, uh, but it's just And what your goals are, obviously. Right. Um, one of them that had a, on the outdoor list, one of them that had uh, a really high return on investment, sod lawn and a seeded lawn. I, but I don't know if that's compared to no lawn or compared to, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I don't know. But but I guess nice lawn versus green grass is not a good nice thing. lawn. Yeah. yeah, green grass is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, all right, and then I found another list on a website that was some indoor um, mm -hmm. home improvements and what your potential return on investment is. One of them was... Um, in attic insulation, I feel like this is something that you've talked about before, Sharon, where mm -hmm. insulating your house is always a good thing for energy efficiency. Again, it's but return all the mechanicals, and, you know, those are the things that I think are important. And those are also the things, unfortunately, buyers can't see. So as a buyer's agent, you have to be very, very good about knowing this, these, these are things that are going to cost you money, time, and energy too, you know. Yeah. So I love when people do those types of things. Yeah. And this was... Again, it, I'm sure it depends on how big your home is and, and yeah. things, but this had an average cost pretty low, 1300 bucks, an yeah. average resale value, 1500 bucks. So getting more back on your mm -hmm. investment for, for a relatively small and but meaningful Save. home improvement. You can call Mass Save, and mm. Mass Save, there are a lot of different contractors in the area, yeah. and they'll do a lot stuff of that, like that stuff for you. Yep. yep. Um, here's just a couple of other small ones, like entry door replacement is a 90% return on investment for a cost of 1400 bucks getting mm -hmm. most of your money back on that, that. Yeah. Um, this one has minor kitchen remodel for an estimated cost of 20000 yeah and getting most of your about 80 percent return on investment in that so mm -hmm. so the again, spruce up that sharon was talking the, about right the earlier. spruce up not doing not the all granite doing the floors right maybe you know, a couple maybe new painting appliances. the cabinets um, appliances exactly so again at an 80 percent return on investment not something you want to do right before you're listing your home mm -mm. because you're not going to get your money back you might as well just sell it as is or do it several years before you sell the home so you, you, can, you can enjoy, enjoy it. it and it's mm -hmm. more of a lifestyle and if you're going to do choice. it several years make sure you stay very neutral in the decisions that you're making okay. instead is, of yeah. um, going with things that with are like very a trendy yeah or, yeah Something yeah, like that. that's the thing I always tell people, don't go trendy on anything, mm. you know, just yep. go very basic. And we've sort of had a, a switch and a transition from, you know, that um, sort of 
empty palette, a blank palette for the new buyer being from the tans now into the light grays. Mm, yeah. So, but yeah. either way, you're still going to be. And that's the other thing too, when you pick out tile. Yeah. You know, you think about, you know, some of these homes that have, you know, bright pink tile mm -hmm. or bright blue tile. You can't do a lot with that. Yeah. Just do white I in your bathroom. Pink tile in my bathroom floor that we have not updated and I can't stand it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to do that. Here's a couple more. And these actually, none of these are over 100% return on investment. So mm -hmm. in my mind, again, don't probably don't do it right before, just in anticipation of selling. Do it because you want it do for it yourself. Be because you want it because you're going to be living there. Um, garage door replacement, average cost 3300 bucks. Average resale value 2800 So getting mm -hmm. most of your money back on that. Um, window replacement, average, if there's, a, there's two of them, window re replacement vinyl and window replacement wood, but both of them have about a 75% mm -hmm. return on investment. One of, um, one of the, our mutual clients had asked me, should I replace all the windows in my home? Do you think I'll get my money back on that when I go to sell the house? And I was mm -hmm. kind of thinking, I don't think so because mm -hmm. while I really appreciate, I value new windows because I've been in homes that had older windows and I can't stand it. I mm -hmm. want to be able to open my windows nicely and easily without like using yeah. all my muscles. <laughs> and I want to have a nice screen that doesn't have holes in it so yeah. I don't get bugs in my house. So I value that, but I don't, I wasn't mm -hmm. anticipating that most buyers would walk in and be like, let me check out all the windows they and do. make sure. They do? Windows, oh, I would so say, are a big yeah. thing. Because if oh, you think about it. Oh, I stand corrected. So yeah. buyers are looking for what's wrong, not for what's right. Remember I said that earlier? Yeah. So if a window replacement is, let's say, I'm just going to use a round number, I don't even know, 250 to 500, right, depending on the window. A buyer's going in there and they're counting, we have 20 windows and that's $1,000 a piece. I'm at $20,000. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? $1,000 a piece? No, that's oh, what the, the buyer is thinking. Oh, 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 okay. So it could really cost you more because people are negotiating that down. Mm -hmm. So now think about you get to home inspection. They're like, all right, well, I have to replace all the windows. The home inspector said that they're rot, it's, they all have to go. They're going to put a $20,000 number on something that potentially could cost you 10. So are they going to ask for $20,000 off of the sale price? But but really, but this is what I don't know. There's a disconnect because while a buyer is thinking that I'm going to ask for $20,000 off, the seller has theoretically listed it Based given condition. current conditions. So theoretically, mm -hmm. the seller has already factored that in. Exactly. Right. This is where you get into negotiations because yeah. everyone has a different opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we have in times what I mean gotten you know substantial amount of money off for buyers because you know he, you just never know what the circumstances are for each person. Mm -hmm. So you know I know that we were purchased. We were working as a buyer's agent and they had already purchased another home and they really needed to sell this house. Like it was starting to get very costly for them to have two homes. Mm -hmm. So when we negotiated on that one. That was a big one. Yeah, it was like, what, 35? Yeah. It was like $35,000 we got after home inspection. Wow. That was seller motivation. Yeah. They, were, they just yeah. really wanted to offload the property. Yeah. yeah. So actually, let's transition for a moment because a lot of, well, frequently, and especially in this um, real estate market where well, interest rates are still really low. It's still a good time to buy. I have, um, I frequently have people trying to buy their second property well in advance of them really needing that second property. So they're thinking interest rates are really low. I'm going to look down the cape for my future retirement home. Um, I'm going to try to buy it now or maybe you know, whether it's the cape or Florida or, or wherever it may be. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to notice that more now than I did you know, five, six, seven, eight, 
10 years yeah. ago because well there's more there's more confidence out there just in general because mm -hmm. we're out of the recession and the, the market the financial markets have done well in the last several years and so there's just more confidence out there with people in general but I don't know if you guys have started to notice that too where there's people are feeling confident enough to carry that second property probably before they really should hmm. because from a financial point of view if you're buying your retirement home five years before you really need that retirement home is that really a smart financial decision I mean if you mm -hmm. if you enjoy it and or rent it out then then you know that's that's a different answer but have you guys come across that because I'm starting to notice it a little bit more now than I did like five years ago mm -hmm. just because con I think just because confidence is higher yeah or do you I, I guess I don't you know, are you privy to that information when you're working with clients regarding yeah, the, I the mean, bigger financial picture? And I'm not really looking at the bigger financial picture. Usually, you know, it matters. Again, it all matters. Did someone just come into an inheritance and that's why they're purchasing a second home? Different things sort of factor into that for us. Yeah. But I would say that I would say that the demographic that we've had, I haven't really seen a whole lot of that. What we do see is the boomer generation wanting to get rid of that bigger home that they don't need and then they're buying two separate homes perhaps mm -hmm. so they want yeah. one place actually one client was they wanted one place up in new hampshire and one place here or one place you know down in, in the florida. carolinas and florida yep. and another place here so we're seeing a lot of that it's almost like one home now too yeah i'm saying that too and snowbirds yeah. doing that i'm i'm i have a lot of people um same thing where i'm having where they want to have two different properties likely one down south and one up here mm -hmm. in some area and they're sort of not sure which one they want to really be their primary residence yep. um, they're not sure how much time they're going to be spending and like sort of the decision is a little bit premature mm -hmm. um, and I'm also finding that I'm having a lot of discussions with clients well if you're going to be in Florida for eight months of the year or nine months of the year does it really make sense to even own something in New England or can you just rent mm -hmm. for three or four months and which is more cost effective because yeah. in that situation most people just they go right to thinking that they're going to own because mm -hmm. I don't know it's more comfortable or it's more you know appreciation. Ownership. Yeah it's, it's ownership it's more exciting and, um, but I'm having a lot of conversations regarding you know is that really cost effective in the bigger picture or mm -hmm. is it more cost effective and in, in simpler for you to just rent to just rent a second property mm -hmm. um, in different areas of the and I think it also, again, I, it does depend. I mean, how much are you getting for the home now? Do you have a loan, a mortgage on that current home that you're selling? Mm -hmm. I mean, can you aff financially afford to buy two separate homes? And, you know, the cost associated with carrying that home all year round, you yeah. know, especially, you know, a home in New England, yeah. you have to have the heat on or you have to have it winterized. Yeah. Uh, but when you do the winterization, I just feel like there's other complications there's things that, that happen. happen. Yeah. Um, you know, no one's around the home and you have to worry about all of that. Um, and the same thing, when you have the house down in Florida, you have to have somebody cutting the lawn, do, maintaining the pools, or unless you're buying two condos. You yeah. Know? yeah. I think that what I'm seeing right now is, and recently Melissa was uh, talking about a client that of ours that um, was looking at the new construction property that we have with that first floor master, and they're boomers, and they want to right size. They have a big home in, a, in an area that would sell very quickly on mm -hmm. the South Shore. They decided against it. And what ended up happening, we went through a long process with them and they were ready to do it. But once they sold that house, like you said, they want the granite, they want the stainless, they want everything. They want the updated floors, they want the exterior updated with mm -hmm. the hardy plank and the PVC. 
low maintenance. Yeah. They want all those things. They were going to then have to get a loan for $100,000 mm -hmm. in order to do that. Does that make sense at that point? No. Then they went out for an ice cream one day and um, met some friends that just happened to buy a condo right next door. And they went over and showed them the condo. They don't have to mow the lawn. Mm. They don't have to shovel. They don't, you know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of great benefits that go into that. Yeah. Um, another good thing, other options that we have in this area too is like Oak Point in Middleborough. I was just going to ask you about that. Is that where you rent the land? You don't own the mm. land? Is this one of these developments? Yeah, yeah like a is modular. There an, is there an, okay. Yeah. Modular. Yep. So it's modular, not mo really modular homes, but it's like, um, Manu it's manufactured. Yeah, manufactured They're homes. They're prefabbed yeah. homes. Right. Well, not really. Same term? I, don't, I guess no. I don't know what the term is. It's modular the because it could move. Okay. So, um, but I have a new listing coming on this week for one in there. It's beautiful. Has a beautiful sunroom. When you're in it, you can't tell that it's really a modular home. But there, you pay a fee. It's like six hundred and eighty-five dollars a month. Okay. And you're paying for the clubhouse. So there's, you know, an indoor pool, an outdoor pool. There's all kinds of um, exercise, exercise equipment, equipment yep. um, a library. There's events, there's comedy shows, there's dances, there's a lot of different things going on, and it's above 55, um, very active community. But, you know, people like $685, but if you think about it, you're not paying taxes. So that, right. So you're so not paying no property, property taxes. taxes of three or 400 bucks a month or whatever exactly. that may be. Exactly. Yep. So, you, you know, your costs, hmm. would you, now you don't have to, you don't have to maintain any of those things. They shovel right up to your driveway, like so up you, to your path. You own the structure. You just don't own the land. You're renting the land exactly. from the development. Are these more, are these becoming more common? Um, a development like that? I, I, they've been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. They've been, you know, the, um, the Oak Point, the one I'm talking about, they have a new section and then they have, you know. The older section, but the older section, they're all pretty much renovated. And they do all the landscaping for you. So they there's something the really to be desired about that, for for specifically for that demographic, the Absolutely. 55 plus demographic. Yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who are in there are also snowbirds, so they they are taking off. And, you know, some opt to rent down in Florida. Yeah. Like you did it the opposite way. Yeah. So they might go down and yeah. rent for a month in Florida or two months. Yeah. And then they'll come back. Yeah. We I certainly have a lot of discussions with clients regarding that as well. You know, I know I want to spend time in Florida. Interest rates are still still low. Mm -hmm. um, I think prices in that area are still low. I don't know how much mm -hmm. that real estate market in Florida in particular, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's different in different areas, but I'm not sure how much that is heated up. But mm -hmm. I think you can still get a pretty good deal down there, plus interest rates are still low. So it's still an attractive time to buy mm -hmm. in places down south. But again, you have to think about the bigger picture and how much time am I going to spend down there and is it really cost effective for me to do that or can mm -hmm. I just spend $10,000 a year renting a place that's beautiful mm -hmm. and, and not have no to worry worries. about right the maintenance when I'm gone and the property taxes and the upkeep a of the second property. Do I and, and a lot of people will say, well, I'll just rent it out for the other months and I'll you know make up some of those costs. But do you really want to be doing that? Do you want to be a landlord? Do you want, mm -hmm. you know, to worry about somebody touching? For me, it would be, do I really want people touching all my stuff? But, and that is the yeah. nice thing when you do have the two homes, and then all your, you know, your clothing, everything that you, you know, you have two sets of everything. So everything is already down there. So you can pack with one little bag and you jump on the plane and you're all set. Yeah. So, yeah. But there is a big cost associated with that. Yeah. Um, one of the last things I just wanted to touch on, we only have a few more minutes, but was just sort of, I guess, optimum stage of life to be right-sizing. And I mean, maybe this is different for everybody, and maybe mm -hmm. this discussion is uh, fruitless, but 
I have discussions just again with a lot of pre-retirees that are thinking about when is the right time to sell and mm -hmm. and their maybe their kids are out of the house and they feel like they know they should be selling the house is too big for them um, but it's a combination of they're either not ready emotionally mm -hmm. or they don't know where to go as we touched on earlier in the show because there's not that many options that mm -hmm. are smaller newer one level you know in this area of the world but they don't know where their kids are going to settle yet. Their kids mm -hmm. haven't started their families, so so you know maybe they want to have flexibility. Um, so the, I think there's just sort of this whole these some of these boomers are just, they're just like sort of not sure what to do and Stuck. when to do it. Mm -hmm. Part of my job is to you know talk to them about well what's the you know obviously the bigger financial picture. Can they afford to stay in the bigger house for a much longer period of time? Do they still have a mortgage on it? Do mm -hmm. they need to be taking money off the table and reducing debt sooner rather than later? Sometimes that's the case and sometimes it's not. But mm -hmm. you know, what what is your experience with people of that demographic? Are you finding that there's just sort of this whole like whole group of people that don't know what to do and when to do it? And and from mm -hmm. a real estate perspective, I, maybe there's not even an answer, but yeah. um, are you noticing that as well that there's well and that's going to be our next topic for financially secure women is you know navigating home buying and home selling and when is the right time for you to do that and to consider it and what are, what consideration should you put in place and I think we chose a date was like September 24th maybe so we'll be doing that and uh, still looking for the venue on that but there's a lot of questions going on and if you think about a boomer you know in some instances they're still you know they have adult, adult children maybe that are living with them maybe because of divorce or maybe just older yeah. children just getting out of college or whatever who haven't started their own you know career or can afford to because of their massive loans yeah. you know they're coming out of school these millennials with two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt mm -hmm. they so they're still home or it's almost like um, the sandwich generation like so I, I feel like I'm in that sandwich generation too is I'm still taking care of my kids I'm still taking you know and my parents yeah so one thing that we do see is when people are considering that is potentially moving in with their kid, like older kids married. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, the generation you're talking about. And maybe putting an in-law on their house yep. and doing that and then having the place down in Florida, you know. But then there are a lot, a lot of people who, um, I'd say that that's an easier proposition if one of the um, mother or the father is deceased. Yeah. So you have one. Yeah, well, just a, just a quick story on that. There, there. I have known a lot of people that have done that, that have moved in with their um, adult childrens, maybe either bought a house together that had an in-law, mm -hmm. or renovated the adult child's home to put an in-law. Mm -hmm. um, and there's obviously a lot of good reasons to do that, and there's also reasons that you should really, really think about whether or not that's the right move. Mm -hmm. Because think of a situation where. Um, mom or dad, um, uh, older mom or dad, invest a lot of money into this property by either building the in-law or going in on the mortgage or giving a couple hundred thousand dollars to the adult kids to buy that larger home. And what if a few years down the road that's not the right decision for them and they don't want to be there anymore? Mm -hmm. You can or get stuck in a situation that if you've already put your money down, and your adult kids can't afford to buy you out because they can't afford the bigger mortgage and they, mm -hmm. they don't have the cash to give you your cash back, what are your options? Well, right? It, so it, that's a very 
yeah. tread lightly on that. Exactly. And with those for situations. Both, for both parties, right. because you think about the, right. the, the, how do you know, now you're committing yourself to live in this home forever. Right. What if the dream home in the dream neighborhood comes up? Right. So now you're sort of, I don't want to say stuck with mom and dad, because no one ever feels that way, honestly. But, but one of the things when you were thinking that is, all right, well, now mom and dad are taking uh, the risk that their son and daughter perhaps isn't going to end up divorced. Right. So if that happens, now the property has to I be didn't sold. Ever think of that, so. And now, how are you breaking up those assets? Where are you going to go at that point? So now you've invested your money in other areas. And yep. Are you going to get your two hundred thousand dollars back? Right. Right. So. It depends on whose name the property is in, et cetera. Yeah. And don't yep. overdo it. I don't think that you want to build, overbuild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was one of, Cause you know. Because those must be hard for resale, too, a home with an in-law. I mean, how desirable are they? Is that? They actually are very are desirable. They, they're but they're becoming more and yeah, more. Right? With, more boom, with more boomers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the demographic is certainly lower. So mm -hmm. do you want to risk not? as not, many buyers. Exactly. Yeah. But I want to thank you guys for joining us thank this morning. Thank you for, for us. joining me yeah, this morning. So why don't you guys give out your uh, names and contact info one more time if anybody wants to get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Melissa Wallace. My email is Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A. -S -S <laughs> a lot of people spell that wrong. Um, at bostonconnect.com. 781-534-1921. Mary Baker. Uh, it's mary at bostonconnect.com. And you can reach me on my cell. It's 774-444-7761. And I'm Sharon at bostonconnect.com. We like to keep it simple. My cell phone number is 781-294-4848 is my cell phone number. Um, all right. Well, thank you for joining us Thanks this morning. Uh, you've been listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You can reach me at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOnMoney.com. Mm -hmm. uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.
Thank you.